that's a totally different one than the last time. But anyway, <laughs> welcome to Herp Talk Radio. I'm your host, Matthew, and with me as always... I'm Peggy. <laughs> Do you have anything new going on this week, Peggy? Or Oh, just wanting to get uh, find another home for a certain western painted turtle that is really quite the bully. And so that's going to be my concentration on, on the list, is to offer him up he's he's um, a small turtle he doesn't seem to want to grow too much and i had gotten him as a rescue but he's boy what a bully so and in in cleaning out that in my uh 40 breeder tank um he just gets even more feisty after uh, a good cleaning (laughs) and so it's like i'm watching him right now it's like would you stop chasing him around (laughs) (laughs) and uh um so yeah you know, that's, that's about it. Everything else is same old, same old. Well, I did have to take, you know, really isolate and treat one of the rescue turtles, um, Swirl, that I was thinking about keeping anyway, because she has always been somewhat weak. She's the one that was from the road um, egg um, rescue, rescue, came out different color, um, uh, different number of scoots, and I always had to feed her separate. Well, she got bit... Um, in the tail base really bad and i've been having so i separated her and i'm treating her to make sure she doesn't get an infection so i'm, I'm watching her right now too <laughs> so yeah i got more and more tanks and tubs and everything going here yeah. <laughs> it's a good problem to have though yeah well i i, I like um, just not that many <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs> well I don't have anything new. It's just been a crazy week. Um, usually, like, I get the the Instagram ad done, like, on the weekend before. I get the thumbnail done the weekend before. No, I threw it all together today. Wow. <sighs> yeah, no, it's just it's just been that week. It's been that kind of week. Um, well, I was worried about you. I hadn't heard from it, you, and usually I do. And I thought, yeah, I usually hope he, I, I tell hope you was. the weekend. <laughs> Usually I, on the weekend before, yeah. I let you know who we're having. And I knew who we were having last Wednesday. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I, I was hoping, like, I hope he wasn't strangled by one of his snakes. <laughs> I don't got anything big enough here. <laughs> Neither do I. I don't have anything big enough. Well, this week, we are joined by Scott Borden of NY Herp Revolution. Um, Scott. So how do you how do you, do you get into reptiles? Let's, let's get a little background information. Oh, the old origin story. The uh, old origin yeah. story, which I'm sure you've told a uh, numerous a amount and of it's times. It's kind of it's kind of boring. It's kind of it's it's slightly different than other people that uh, you usually hear about people that were into dinosaurs or something like that. I really didn't was into dinosaurs. Maybe Godzilla. I love Godzilla, <laughs> but uh, no, I uh, I always liked animals. And then uh, I actually, I was doing pretty poorly in school and my parents tried to make a bet with me to improve my grades. And not long before that, my brother had gone on some field trip to the local exotic uh, pet store. And uh, I just remember a picture of, you know, they're all holding like a ball python or something. So on a whim, I told my parents they were trying to offer me a, a, a stupid you know, $5 amount of money to get on the honor roll or something. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> even at that age, I was like, no, I was like, I'll tell you what, if I get on the honor roll, let me get a snake. And they, and I made the honor roll 
and they let me get a snake and then yeah no that spiraled like uh (laughs) (laughs) ridiculous i got then i got my second snake which was a boa right i went i went real uh generic right like everybody else in the hobby ball python red tail boa uh and then i think i can't remember exactly when it was but at that point at some point between then and getting like a car my first carpet which was after that and then um eventually i could drive myself to the pet store <laughs> and made my own money hmm. and yeah no that was uh <laughs> that just opened the floodgates mm-hmm. and uh yeah, so I've did, been doing this for 25 years now. Did you stick with snakes in the floodgates, or did you add different um, lizards uh, or turtles? Or- so, <laughs> weirdly, over the years, I dabbled in monitors uh, here and there. Like, I'd have, like, one of the Savannah for a little while, and I got rid of that. Had a black roughneck for a while. Sorry, New York. Had, got rid of that. Um, <laughs> I, no, I dabbled in things. It wasn't until uh, my wife and I started dating that uh, the collection <laughs> – I guess by dating me, she kind of like opened up her own floodgates. And next thing you know, <laughs> half the room became geckos. Actually, a few ball pythons trickled in that were hers. And yeah, then half the room became uh, geckos. And then, uh, yeah, I've had uh, I've had a ridiculous list of animals over the years. Um, but yeah, what, pythons what were turtle? always the set. Uh, so turtle-wise... <laughs> It's a real short list. Funny enough, <laughs> turtle was the uh, a Florida Florida softshell. A softshell turtle was the reason I got into fish for a short period of time because I talked my I, I so before I owned a, my own home uh, when I first started, uh, I lived with my parents and then my parents got divorced, lived with my father, and uh, I so I had all my reptiles in my father's house. Uh, <laughs> so to get a, a Florida softshell turtle, I talked my father into putting essentially a fish tank in his office in our house with a turtle in it, softshell turtle. <laughs> so the Florida softshell turtle was a baby and it didn't do very well the way I had it. So I ended up getting rid of the Florida softshell and I filled the water the rest of the way and did a fish tank. And then that trickled. And I had um, three fish tanks, one saltwater, two fresh, I think, at, for a while. And uh, that was during a time when I had actually downsized my collection a lot to only three snakes for a while. Uh, cause I burnt out, I was keeping a lot of stuff and <laughs> I burnt out for a while. So I downsized to three snakes had the three fish tanks, but eventually the way the fish tanks were, they were on two different floors of the house, three different rooms. Uh, it was just a lot to maintain. There was too much yeah. for me to maintain. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a lot, a lot, but for something that like, I wasn't overly passionate about, I was like, ah, this is getting old. So I, uh, I decided to go back to snakes i started building my collection up met my wife geckos we so that was the first turtle um the only other the only other type turtle type would be our tortoise that we have now which is our red foot okay and if you hear a very loud bang at any point (laughs) that's her she's inside she's pissed off but (laughs) i I turned her light off so she's hopefully sleeping right now (laughs) but yeah Yeah, i think think if i think back that's it i had a florida uh, soft shell and other than before I was a hobbyist, I caught a snapping turtle baby and kept it for a few months. And, you know, as a kid did that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I can't think of any other turtles other than until we got our tortoise some years ago. Mm-hmm. That's it. Cool. And lizards, you mentioned the gecko- mm. geckos and the monitors, anything else? 
Uh, no, uh, yes, actually, I have two two uh, wedge snouted skinks um, in the uh, in my bedroom mm-hmm. uh, in a small tank in my bedroom. They're small little skinks, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's mostly geckos. A lot of geckos like, <laughs> behind you guys. There's an entire wall of geckos. Mm-hmm. Geckos, um, <laughs> geckos, geckos, so, and then uh, two monitors. Only two monitors: a green tree monitor, and then uh, nice. down in the basement, I have a huge, uh, a huge cage with an adult female black roughneck monitor. Now the green monitor—that's a small one, right? Yeah, they're both pretty small. I know a lot of people with black roughnecks have them very large. I, I think they're they're like a slightly larger tree monitor almost. Mm-hmm. Um, they're but yeah, the green trees are not that bad i mean they're not the mini monitors like ackies but they're not they're not a big monitor at all okay do they still act like a real monitor though like a you know like there's a difference between ackie and and like a kimberly and they're fairly similar in comparison and size anyway but the attitude's Um, different do you know what i mean yeah i mean green tree the, the green tree we have isn't bad i just don't Honestly, the green tree would probably be the one that if we were going to handle one of them, that would be the one because it's it's pretty good at coming to food on tongs and not being completely over food oriented like my other monitor. Uh, but holding holding him sucks. Nails <laughs> just are horrible. Uh, I had my buddy Dan here one night and he's, he wanted to hold it, so I got it out. And I was like, this is not fun. Like <laughs> <laughs> little hypodermic needles. Oh, my, I was like, this is not fun. Those nails but, are sharp. Uh, yeah, I don't really handle my monitors. My black roughneck just way too food oriented. And I kind of lost trust a long time ago with her. It's not that she's aggressive or de- even defensive, but she's just like anything that's in the cage. It's like it's food. Mm. She's just she's big now. Well, not big, but bigger. Big enough. Yeah, big <laughs> enough. I don't want to take a bite. Right. Yeah. An accidental food bite because they don't really bite. Uh, even in defense, usually it's just tail whips and hissing. They're not big. Uh, they're not big biters in defense. But she has grabbed. I had a gloved hand once, and she just grabbed a hold of the glove like this and just sat there for like five minutes, which take is is a long time. And you're like, can you just stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stop. But yeah, they're a lot of fun. Hmm. Cool. So now you can all talk your snakes. <laughs> I got I to turn on a light here. I had natural light and it's fading already. You're all good. Um, so you breed scrubs? No, no, no. no. I do not breed scrubs. Never oh, have. You just keep them. I have okay. Malukan scrubs, which are the. Um, they might be. They're one of the top three hardest python species in the world to in the world to breed. Uh, you got your bolines pythons. You got. Malukan scrubs and Helmara scrubs. That's your, that's your top three, uh, most difficult. And um, yeah, I have, God, I have a pair of Malukans. Yeah, I've had them for a long time. Uh, I've been real lazy the last two years. I haven't paired them, but I've paired them in the past. Uh, they're just so hard to breed. And uh, so yeah, no, I keep them. Never bred them. Hmm. Very good at keeping them. I've kept them longer than uh, most people have because a lot of people in the old days overfed them and overheated them so you saw a lot of monsters uh you know going back 10 years maybe or you know give or take so a lot of monster just fat malukan scrubs uh most of those animals aren't around anymore for obvious reasons but, and how long do they so, normally live the malukans i mean that's tough to say you know i mean they're only so malukans are uh 
only endemic to the Maluku archipelago, which is a chain of islands, and they are known 100% to be on two of them, I believe three of them, but two two of them are the main ones where they, they are collected at least, and uh, possibly one or two other islands out there. Um, so, you know, it's impossible to say how old animals live in the wild. Um, and just in captivity, I think over the years that they've been in captivity, there has been a lot of either poor keeping of them or just unfortunate accidents or results have lost a lot of good animals over the years. So um, I, I don't think we can really say, I, I just assume like any other python, which is in the 20s, exceptionally long would be in the 30s, I, I would assume. So what makes the Malukans harder to breed than other pythons? Uh, you answer that question, you'd be helping me the hell out. <laughs> answer that for me. I don't know. Uh, no, it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of things uh, that go into that discussion, and I've had this discussion many times in the last six years, seven years. Uh, I mean, the ultimate answer is we don't really know 100%. Uh, Somalia as a whole of a genus, which is the scrubs um, and bolines, which I think they're still Somalia. Um, as a whole, they're a more difficult uh, group of snakes to breed. Um, what is it exactly? Can't really say. I mean, I like how I know you guys had Eric Burke on. I like how Eric used to say, you know, for, for breeding certain species, maybe you needed to have. You know, if there's a checklist of 10 things you need to do to breed a snake, you know, breeding ball pythons or carpet pythons, you might only need two or three of those things checked and have them right. Breeding scrubs, you might need seven, eight things checked. I always like that analogy. Um, I do, you too. know, my theories on this has changed over the last, it always, it, it always ebbs and flows. Mm. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, we don't 100% know. Um, we have, we can have, uh, theories and hypotheses and all these things, but until we really get a little better at it, get some more, uh, captive born, uh, clutches going and, and raising them up mm-hmm. and breeding them, it's going to be tough to say. Yeah. How do you, how do the Malukans compare to the Halmaharas just in size and everything along with like king horn eye and barred necks and that sort of thing where's where's so, the king horn eye is the monsters right they're the big boys that's that's a big scrub um <laughs> barred necks are big animals too not quite king horn eye but they're big they can get i've seen some impressive impressive uh barred necks over the years um but then you get down to <clears throat> helmaharas and tannin bars and malukans and they're a little smaller um so there's some individuals I know of one uh, preserved individual that was a specimen in a you know in a scientific collection collected animals that was a sizable Malukan. Uh, but most of my uh, most of my preaching about Malukans over the years <laughs> is that one of the biggest things we've done wrong is how we grow them up and how large we grow them up. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Nick Mutton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got uh, this book right here. Yeah, <laughs> I got the old book over here. Some no, the both yeah. books are over here somewhere. I um, want, I want the old book too. But <laughs> yeah, I have the OG book. Uh, and uh, Nick, I've heard Nick talk about this multiple times, and I like that he he points out that the hobby has this focus on 
right? If if you had an old reptile book, you used to get here's the general size, here's the size comparison of the, how big the snake gets to a human or something, right? And it always is the largest possible possible size for that species. The problem is everyone focuses on that largest number. Well, you might only have, you know, a very tiny percentage that reaches that size naturally, healthily, uh, just like humans. I mean, humans, you know, what percentage of humans are over seven foot tall, mm -hmm. right? But the way the hobby thinks is they see that large number and they focus on that large number, but there's actually, it's like a bell curve and the majority of them are in this size range. So, um, I've actually got a, a friend of mine who has connected me with someone over where the Malukan scrubs are from, and every once in a while he'll find one uh, over there. I was supposed to travel over there, oh. uh, but then COVID happened, and now it's just, I don't know. I, I'd love to get over there, but it's so many of our trips are for a million other things at this point other than going looking for snakes on a crazy island like that. <laughs> uh, but there, there has been talk about going over there at some point, hopefully. Um, to look for them, and so far the ones they have found in the wild, um, they're more, you know, you could tell they're adult animals, they have the mature head, yada yada, and they're not, they're not massive animals. Mm. I mean, I saw one video of some decent sized snakes uh, battling <clears throat> on one of the islands, uh, but I think the majority of them are, are more in line with like carpet python size, maybe a large carpet python size, less than 10 feet we're talking. Okay. Mm. That's then. That's that's manageable then. Oh yeah, the like, Malukans, my Malukans are no bigger than my biggest carpets. Okay, I but they're a little sketchier, right? So the carpets, uh, carpet, all these snakes. I a lot of the snakes I have have high food uh, response, but mm. you uh, you know carpets and even my savus, they're not bad. They turn that, that that switch shuts right off when you touch them with a hook. And the scrubs, you have to be way more careful, and you have to read their body language. Uh, especially with my female right now. My female's been real bad. Uh, you have to pay attention to when that switch is finally turned off because it doesn't turn off right away like carpets, right? It, it, it stays on a little bit. And she's still in food mode. And yeah, you got to be a little oh. careful. Okay, tell a newbie what they do when if you're not careful. <laughs> oh, you get tagged and bleed all over the room. <laughs> oh, how, how long are their teeth? Oh, I have a good picture on my Instagram of uh, my... I don't remember which one it is, my female or my male, but I have a good picture of um, one of them. They they had a rat right in front of the glass, and it was just the perfect picture with like the you could see just the row of the teeth. Oh, I mean they're not emerald tree boas; they're not that absurd. But mm -hmm. I don't. I actually hate getting bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm a I'm a pussy. <laughs> Me too. Not lie. <laughs> Same. I agree. People online give shit about. You know, the people with wearing gloves or something, I'm like, oh, I, I fucking, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> oh, by the way, I do no. curse here and there. Sorry, I oh. warned you guys. No. I will curse. Okay. You did warn me. I did warn you. I curse a little bit. How I talk. You're good. But, uh, You're good. I hate hey. getting bit. I, I worked with, um, with venomous snakes for a while. So before oh. I worked with venomous, mm -hmm. I had this rule like I wanted to have such uh, automatic way of working with the animals that I didn't let anything bite me that I had carpets, white lip pythons. Uh, I don't remember what I had back then, but like, I just would not let anything bite me. I always kept everything at, uh, you know, hooks length, if you will, because I just wanted that to be the routine, uh, when I got into venomous. So I don't know what changed in me after I got out of venomous. Cause like, 
Before that, I didn't really give a shit. Like, I'd get bit by baby carpets all the time. Like, uh, it didn't really matter. After Venomous and after that period of time, like now, I'm, I hate getting bit. I don't, I don't care. I got a good friend of mine, Chris Foley. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Chris. He's a, he's a good friend of mine, and uh, he just bred croc monitors. And, oh, man. and uh, he, he works with a lot of cool shit. He, he's the complete opposite of me. He loves getting bit, so he'll come over. He's come over here. He, <laughs> He, he's traveled here. He got here at like two in the morning uh, one time and he showed up and he's like, all right, let's go take the white lip out. I'm like, oh, come on, bro. <laughs> he cares not. He loves getting bit. And they laugh at me because I have no desire to get bit. So he's like, here, she's being good. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> I have no shame in my game. Yeah. I Why? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm fairly hands off for yeah. the most part anyway. So I, yeah, you can't get bit if you're far enough away. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I only have uh, three turtles that will actually rip my skin, and the others will just give me blood blisters. But still, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I have no desire to get bit by a turtle. Or... <laughs> no, no. They, yeah, they don't let go, and it's like, come and and, and while they have they've latched onto you, they're pulling at your skin yeah, like no, this. It's like sound fun. they're no. just trying to eat you. <laughs> I got three. Le- I got three leeches in here, males, uh, and I hate all of them. Because I'm terrified of them. They're psychos. They're absolute psychos. Yeah. Which yeah. I find weird because you keep scrubs. So your scrubs must not be super psychotic. Yeah. So Malukans, they're really not, actually. Uh, they're not. They're uh, very dangerous food response. But once that's turned off, yeah, no, they're not. Uh, they're not psycho at all. What's it's just it take- food response. What's it take to t- turn the food response off besides a heavy feeding? <laughs> it depends. I mean, my female's actually been, she's been a little tough with it lately, but it takes just longer working them with a hook, touching with the hook. Usually once you, once you start pulling them out with a hook, you can kind of see they're like, all right, I'm not being fed. All right. But I'm still cautious with at least my female right now because she's been a little sketchy about it. Uh, my male's a little better, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh. just hook work. It is the season for your female to be getting a little sketchy, so that might be a good thing. No, I wish. I haven't paired oh, them up. Man. I paired them up for five minutes, and she made me nervous. And I was like, ah. <laughs> uh, and then I just never paired them again. I don't know. I've been lazy the last couple of years with them anyway. See, so, go for it. Oh, I was, you know, in, in your microclimate um, blog, um, you talked about creating – of course, you know, different areas within their containment that have specific um, environmental needs so that they can go into a, a humid chamber, you know, leave for a, a you know, a, essentially a dry dock more so. Um, are you finding the scrubs have to um, mimic their environment from the islands um a lot more because you know they're they seem to me just hearing about this like oh they're picky do they require you know a much more elaborate setup to be happy (laughs) well yeah i mean there was there was a dude who was uh he was promoting that big time big huge naturalistic uh enclosures i would love to do a big uh I'll say semi-naturalistic enclosure where I could keep both of them, but also separate them when I want. But there's times of the year where that sketches me the hell out because when they're on food mode, it's like you walk in the room and it's like, boom. when they're on breeding mode, if you stop feeding them, like say for the winter and you, you stop feeding them for a month 
and it becomes breeding time, the the food response goes away. I mean, I could almost there, there's like almost no food response until you bring a rat in the room. I mean, if you did that, it, it comes back very quickly. But um, I've during the years when I was actively really trying to breed them, uh, it was night and day. Like during the summer was very scary because like not scary, but um, just real short you know, bite first, ask questions later. But then during the winter, once I slowed them down, I stopped feeding them for a while. And when I started pairing them and I would keep them together for a while, I mean, the food response would be just gone. Uh, mm -hmm. But whether or not that's how I want, how you really want to do it, uh, because you may want to feed these during the breeding season, which is opposite like carpets really. Um, and a lot of other things. I know Ryan Young, who's, I believe he may have taken, he's at least the number two. I don't know if you guys know Ryan Young at all. He would I've be, heard of. Yeah, so he's either the number two or number one uh, most accomplished python breeder in the world at this point. Uh, it's either the Barkers or him. He might have actually taken first place, or he's number two, not far behind, uh, in terms of uh, number of species bred. Mm -hmm. But uh, he said he, he actually feeds his Indonesian stuff like that, um, basically during the winter. Uh, heavier, which actually makes pretty good sense to me, uh, especially for an island endemic species that, you know, food cycling could be really big. And the When you food cycle might be an important part of that, too. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I I uh, in in hearing about, you know, this, it's um, choosiness on when to breed it's uh you know that as a biologist myself it's like okay um how much do you have to mimic their you know their natural habitat and their natural cycles i've tried to like do the math from that perspective like the <laughs> biology perspective right i've tried mm -hmm. to do that i'm like what are we fucking missing i'm like it's something it's something <laughs> stupid i was like biologically what does this animal need uh, mm -hmm. and i've came up with a lot of things i'm like oh they're you know uh I think, t like, for instance, I think tigers have a very short window of when they can breed and, and be fertile. I was like, maybe that's what it is. There's just a very short window where they have to breed. But I was like, ah, does that make sense? Uh, um, what was some of the others I went through? I, I'm trying to remember. No, um, they have, they go through a monsoon season, I would assume. It's definitely a wet season and a dry season, yes. Um, and I, I, I actually, so the, the, a friend of mine who hooked me up with uh, a local from one of the islands, he's a, a monitor breeder in the UK, and um, that's how he wants to look. He wants to look at it as like a monitor breeder, and he's, he actually gave me the suggestion, which I liked a lot, which I, I just haven't been able to do yet, is um, like uh, nesting box options, right? So like a lot of the monitors that you don't know how to breed them, you give them different options, different temperatures, different levels, different substrates. He's like, if you give them, you know, six, not 60, but give them a dozen, <laughs> a dozen different options to choose from as a nesting site, maybe that could be. Uh, it seems like, I feel like the scrubs might be uh, similar to at least some of the liasis. I have Sabu eggs finally uh, right now. And um, it seems that they can reabsorb much later uh, than other stuff. And that, I think scrubs might be the same way. Like a lot of stuff, like you get to that certain point and you're like, all right, she's going to ovulate. Like there's no way it's going to reabsorb at this point. And it's, I, I've seen a, a Elias's, a Sabu build, my female build last year, two years ago, two years ago, maybe built huge follicles. And I'm like, oh, she's going like, there's no, like I have it. And then she ate one day and like, and, uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, and and someone said that with it seems that lysis will uh, reabsorb much later in their cycle than other stuff, and I think scrubs might be that. Like if they're if if they're ready to ovulate and it's just things are not there, they might just reabsorb uh, later on than other stuff. So. so what has to be there, like you know, from their <coughs> native environment, you know, uh, is it? before the monsoon season, after the monsoon season, um, or is it, yeah, I, I... <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody really knows. Uh, I mean, it's well, tough because I've already done the, I, I talked to someone uh, a couple of years ago and I was like, you know, even if we could look at when they, it's tough because I, I don't even know what they're, how many numbers are getting imported now, but uh, before COVID, the number of imports was like 27 for the world at one point. So, you know, that's, 27 individual animals coming off the island that goes to the US, the UK, you know, how many of those die just in transit and then shortly after arriving. So the amount of number, the, the number of animals that you're talking, uh, come in, survive long enough to even try breeding is just insanely low. So, but I, because at one point I was like, you know, if we could figure out what's coming in when. Like when the babies come in from imports, so those babies were should have been eggs back here, and that should be the time period. So try to figure the time period out, but that's uh, that's a dead end anyway. Well, <laughs> and I, I think I heard Chuck Poland talk about breeding Halmaheras. Yep, Chuck's good and dude. and uh, I think he said that his went at a totally different time than someone else's, like fall and spring, like complete yeah. opposites. So, yeah, I've gone through that too. The timing is a timing's a tough thing because I had that. I noticed with Savus over the last ten years, five, I think not ten years, but maybe six, seven years, I was getting real weirded out by Savus because it seemed like there was two times a year that there would be clutches, and I'm like, well, this is not helping me figure out when to pair my animals. <laughs> um, but I think I, I think some of that goes to wild caught animals having different cycles. And then eventually you get more and more captive bred animals that kind of are acclimated more to our seasons. And you kind of have this narrowing down of uh, when their season might be here. Mm -hmm. um, but it's tough to say because individual animals can be completely different. Uh, pro exotics, I remember they, they, um, they <clears throat> bred, had eggs, and hatched ball pythons every month of the year. Wow. Because if you have, if you, have you know, a, uh, a what you call it um, – that you can, uh, oh God, what's that machine you can look in their belly and see if they have eggs and follicles? Uh, well, ultrasound. Yes, I'm sorry, <laughs> ultrasound. If you have an ultrasound, then you can see where they are in their cycles. You can pair them up at optimum time. So uh, someone like that that has an ultrasound and I don't even, God, who knows how many animals they had back a, then. A lot. <laughs> yeah, a ton, a ton. It's within, you know, it's just nature's way that, Different different individual females cycled completely different, and they had a fe basically a female cycle for every month of the year. They hatched, they hatched, wow. they had eggs and hatched ball pythons every month of the year because they were able to do that. So it's tough because if you have one pair and you're completely off on when you think you know, I mean, you have to become a student of the serpent and really read the signs. But if you're completely off, then then you're you can't even get off the start line. Wow, so, yeah, it's a pain. <laughs> well, and green trees have been bred every single month, I think, in captivity as well. But yeah, I maybe. Wonder, I'm not even sure. But yeah, I wonder if surprised. there's, I wonder if there's, 
less of a cycle and more of like maybe in those equatorial species there's more more of like two optimal times to have babies like oh, once in the spring yeah, and once in the fall and you could get you could be gravid at any point in time during that maybe i don't know for sure but oh it's certainly possible and then like i said you have individuals that just cycle different weird random times it's nature's way also of you know you don't want all the babies to come exactly the same time so there's always going to be outliers and outliers on either side and uh mm -hmm. you know to kind of help mitigate some of the loss or you know, yeah, I, I suppose a big hatch all at once would, you know, drive predators to show up at that time. And oh, of course, I mean, you look at yeah. uh, sea turtles and things like that. It's a big, it's a big nature display of when it happens. But you know, before the majority, the ninety-nine percent of those turtles showed up and those eggs hatched, you had you probably had the small group over here that hatched that it was a little quieter and they were able to kind of escape, and the small group on the other end, you know, less mm -hmm. predators. It's just nature's way of just chaos and balance and everything else and, <laughs> yeah. but when you're doing it in the captive setting and and with limited animals it's it's you know it can be a lot tougher yeah we're having the the bison all drop their calves right now in our uh national and state parks that are, that surround us here in the black hills and we actually saw two rangers rope a dead calf hanging out of one female and then um, oh god and then she strained against the rope and and they were able to pull it out and and joe and i got it on film and the rangers that were doing that go uh could we have that video <laughs> i was pretty that's cool. wild yeah that's yeah crazy. yeah that i mean yeah i've been around bison you know um for decades and never had had seen that i i you know it was it was really um quite the national geographic adventure to <laughs> to, to watch them save that cow you know, she would have just died trying to give birth to the, the calf was 72 pounds instead of in the 50s. You know, they're oh, usually wow. in, in, the, in the, yeah, in the 40s or 50 pound range. And yeah, for some reason, she just produced a ginormous calf and it was about to kill her and they saved her by. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was, uh, it was exciting. So yeah, uh, they all come at once. Um, and so that's what we're enjoying photographing every weekend and so i i you know i i know nothing of the snake you know um you know it seems to me in in our yard you know since we rewilded we have all these different three or four different types of garter snakes that just show up all at once everywhere you have to watch where you step um and because you know, they come crawling out of the, the 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 tall grasses that we've allowed to come back in certain areas of the yard. So I, I, yeah. So I, I'm just so intrigued of like what you guys go through on these exotic species to troubleshoot, to get the fecundity up on like, okay. <laughs> and how yeah. you must have to network with one another. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> how are you uh, doing it? <laughs> and even then, and even then it's still kind of difficult. Cause I tried to reach, I reached out to some of the guys in the past, you know, it's not a, a ton of them, but, a lot of the guys who did it a long time ago, ah, I didn't really know what I did, you know, I'm like, ah. and then, <laughs> you know, even when the guys, the very rare occasions when it happens now, it's, it's, it's tough to really say exactly what that little trigger was. Mm -hmm. uh, so do the, do the breeders keep journals, you know, especially on a hard to produce, I would think that they like, okay, this time this year I tried this to no avail this year 
wow, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing it this way. I'm jotting down when I'm putting the male with the female, what's the, the humidity, what they have is a microclimate, you know, this and this and that and success. I mean, I would think keeping a journal like that would really be beneficial. It would be. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, it's, yeah, no, but uh, you know, uh, I did it early on. I did it the first couple seasons, right? I was writing down temperatures and all kinds of shit and observations. And I'll be very honest, I've gotten very lazy with it now. And it was just, which is a lot of the ways I kind of just, I just kind of breed on a whim at this point. Like uh, I slowed down breeding. I don't really want to produce as much. Uh, the Savus is a rare snake or, you know, a rare python. So like, yeah, I, I was happy to have that. I mean, that was a 10 year battle, not a battle, but that's a 10 years of, of work to get there. So I'm happy to be there with eggs now. But, uh, you know, even my carpets, I slowed down the carpets cause I, I could breed jungles every year if I wanted to, but I just mm-hmm. don't have a desire to have that many babies. And then, uh, <laughs> well also in the last, uh, in the last, uh, well, the we're at here about nine months or so. Um, I also, uh, took over a, a collection for a friend of mine who passed away. So I've been dealing with rehoming a lot of his stuff and all that. And mm. I'm like, I don't need to breed more babies. Mm. So, yeah. But. Yeah. It's uh, I'm, I'm over inundated with rescues and, and that's why in trying to prove out my clown gene that um, appeared in these turtles from a road rescue, I'm using a young, um, a turtle breeder who's got a lot more space than I do. And I'm just setting him the young, I'll, I'll keep one eventually, <laughs> but it's like, here, you prove out this gene. I don't have the space for it. Oh, I'm just, that's I'm what just... I need to do. I need to find, <laughs> I need to find someone around here. No, I'm just kidding. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do that. I don't trust anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, she laid three clutches. It was her first year. The, the Jew, ju- you know, I raised her from a juvenile. So I knew I was dealing with a, a female that, didn't have um, retained sperm and yeah. and then bred her to the clown's brother that has some of the same characteristics as her. And I, you know, uh, it would take all the space to raise up all these babies. And, and um, it's like, you know, you know, here, help me with this. <laughs> I'll just send them these, these young and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, I need someone to come here and help me work with stuff. Honestly, I need someone young and, and motivated. Uh, yeah, because I, I do a lot of reptile work right now because my wife's working a lot more hours. And uh, she's also gotten into plants super heavily. So, uh-huh. you know, she, you know, on her off time, it's there's a lot of plant work that gets done and, and stuff. So I've been dealing with the geckos, which isn't too bad. We just downsize a little bit on them. Mm-hmm. So that helps. Now, uh, you're like with said, the... You're with the you're with the railroad. Um, usually, I've got a lot of friends, you know, on the railroad, um, you know, out of Edgemont and up to, you know, they run to the the Gillette, um, Billings Lake or whatever. And uh, sometimes, you know, they're they're gone for three days, home for X amount of days. You know, is that what your lifestyle's like too? God no. <laughs> I, no I, I work in uh, I work two hours north of New York City, on the busiest commuter railroad in the in the country, and it's 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 well unionized and it's uh yeah no i work eight to four oh. uh i work overtime by choice um, okay so luckily i have seniority so if i wanted to work a decent uh, my wife's schedule sucks right now for uh taking care of our dogs and stuff so i can't really work uh, overnights but um yeah no my schedule the only time my schedule has been silly like that is with a, like a bad storm 
Uh, if I know she'll be home, I'll go to work and stay for a couple of days and deal with the snowstorm or something. But uh, yeah, no, other than that, I'm, I'm, I work on the tracks, but yeah, no, it's eight to four. Nice. Sunday to Thursday, but that's by choice. I could be Monday through Friday, but I, I like the uh, 5% differential for the weekend and mm -hmm. the same schedule my wife has. And I like having Fridays off. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have a weekday off. Mm -hmm. I do not it really have is. one of those. Oh, yeah. Like no. when you need a doctor's appointment or like just if you actually if you want to do something where like, you know, the week like grocery shopping because the weekend sucks to grocery shop. Oh, yeah. Friday morning. Not that bad. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, just anything yeah. like that where people are going to be crowded on the weekend. You try to do that on Friday. You know? but. Yeah. Well, yeah. Joel, do, Joel does most of our shopping. He passes through rapid on his way back from the biochem firm that he still works at that I retired from. And he passes through rabbit city and grabs our meals and and at the organic food co-op there's hardly anybody there you know at 7 30 to 8 o'clock and so yeah it, he buzzed through there really fast so yeah so i was just like wondering it's like god he works the railroad and has reptiles how's he do that <laughs> oh god please it's been it's it's actually it's gotten tiring because like the only time i the only time i really try to do most of the work is on the weekend at this point mm -hmm. so like yeah it's it's been a lot i'm hoping actually um so my friend that passed away he his wife and her family live about 45 minutes from me where all his animals are and i've been going to his house to deal with a lot of that uh, i brought the small stuff here and put it in my basement but uh some of the bigger stuff is still there and i'm hoping to finally we finally downsized enough where um the stuff i have in my basement um I can bring up here. It's well quarantined at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, I can bring up into my reptile room and then I'm hoping to bring the one big rack he's got uh, with the last of the adult animals and put that in my basement. So I don't have to travel 45 minutes down yeah. every weekend to check mm -hmm. on things, clean things. So yeah, hopefully wow. that'll help a little bit, but yeah, work. It's hard to come home and get home about five fifteen or so and have dinner and then come up and, you know, deal with, animals yeah on top of everything yeah. else you know but yeah 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 so, so what all are you uh keeping then uh do you have every morelia or are you uh, oh god no no I'm gonna, so, <laughs> i saw uh, ijs and i know so i did i used to have ijs i bred ijs and kept them uh i did that for a while uh ijs are i like ijs a lot um they're a smaller carpet species they look cool uh you know, they're usually pretty well-mannered. They're not too bad. Jungles are, uh, <laughs> they're not bad. People give them a bad rap. You just got to get past that first couple of years so they grow up <laughs> and they're like, all right, enough. I'm not going to bite you anymore, you know. <laughs> but um, it's just defensive. That's all it is. They're just defensive for the first couple of years, two years, three years tops. And usually after that, and, and so when I tell people this, people are like, you got to handle them every day. I'm like, nah, you actually don't. Because uh, I don't handle shit ever, <laughs> so like, and and you can go in my room, and if I grow the baby up for three years, at, at three years, it, it usually will stop biting. I mean, I have, uh, I do have a striped female jungle right now that she will tag, she'll light me up. But some with striped animals here, they're really they're not fun. For, they're not nice to me, so I don't know what that's about. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I have uh, currently I have jungles. I do have a couple coastals that I'm going to keep. Actually, they were uh, my friend who passed away again. 
Um, those animals were his pride and joy. And there's two baby reds coastals that I'm going to keep. Uh, my plan is, is to keep them, raise them, breed them, and hopefully donate money to a, a mental health uh, organization in his name at that point. Uh, nice. So, you know, uh, it's a four or five year plan, but, um, so there's that. I don't have any IJs anymore. I got out of them. Uh, there's a few ball pythons here, Sabu pythons, uh, the Malukan scrubs, uh, white lip pythons, which are just the worst beast in the python world. <laughs> and why? Uh, just because they like to tag you a lot? They're fucking psychos, usually. No, I actually have one that's tame. And the, funnily enough, the, the one that's tame came from my friend who passed away many years ago. I, I talked him out of it. Um, <laughs> only other person locally that I knew had white lips ever. But I have a, a female, or no, I'm sorry, I have a, a male that is. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, not that fun. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've worked with white lips for many, many years. Uh, I never bred them. I never really tried to breed them. I was hoping this was a pair that I have, and I actually kind of paired them up one point. And uh, I was on the, I was video messaging uh, Ryan Young, and as soon as I put them together, I'm like, uh oh. I'm like, well, at the very least, the one I thought was a female is a male, <laughs> and I'm not 100 percent sure if the other one was a female or male, but it was like. I'm done with this shit. I'm not breeding them. Because <laughs> um, the one is sketchy. But I've had my first one, oh, man, 20. God, that had to be 20 years, 21, 22 years ago. My first one was just, I mean, just insane. Just a chainsaw and just sit there. You know, it never learned to not hit the glass. Wow. Um, it's just she was so horrible. Uh, they're just terrible snakes sometimes. Like when they're when they're good, they're great. You know, a lot of people get have good ones, and they're like, I don't know what people say about them. I'm like, well, you haven't had enough yet. Because when they're the problem is when they're bad, they're just awful. You know, it's just they they don't hook well. They're like they can be like a cobra on a hook if they want. They can run very quickly. Oh my! Uh, I've had that in my old bedroom, my dad's house with. Uh, <laughs> How did, he, how did he like that? Well, he didn't really even know that story. I mean, there's other <laughs> stories he probably knew, but that's that story I don't think he knew because well, he might have known. He might have been in his office and heard us heard me yelling. But uh, my wife, we were dating at the time, and I think she, she was on our bed. And, and the, this thing, I was trying to do something, and it just runs out of the cage oh, past geez. me under the under my desk, which had a you know a, a clearance where it went under like this. So I had to deal with that. And she's like, good. My wife, I think she was insulting me at times. She's like, good job. Good job. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this sucks. So I had, I have, you know, big snake tongs. And I grabbed it and got it back. But yeah, when, when they want to not be hooked, they, they can uh, run off a hook very, very easily. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're not, it's not that they're bad snakes. They're just, when they're bad, they're just awful. That's mm. just exponentially awful. When they're good, I have a tame one. And I fucking love that thing. It's 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 calm. Like it, it's never offered to bite in shed. Doesn't matter. Uh, the only shitty thing about that one was it learned. It actually got out once, and it because it I had the glass not locked, and it pushed the glass. It wedged its body enough that it would push one of the panes. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> there's been two times in my life where both with my wife. Uh, the first time we were dating, we got woken up at three in the morning to things being knocked off a snake rack in my dad, oh. my dad's house. <laughs> I immediately knew, like, uh oh, something's out. Oh, and my wife's in front of me, and she's got the flashlight or whatever, and she's like, "Oh my god, it's a white lip." I'm like, 
<laughs> and and that was- luckily, luckily, it was this one. It was the good one. Thank God. And then again, the second time was this one, and in, in, in our house that we own now, and uh, it got out. And I, you know, we're in our bedroom. Our bedroom is behind you guys, and it butts up to our reptile room. And you know, we're in the bedroom watching TV or something. I hear you hear stuff getting knocked off walls in the reptile oh. room. Uh oh. Walk in, and I have a, I have a picture somewhere of it. She's on like multiple pictures, and I got a thing oh, where I hang no. my hook. She's just draped up there, and I'm like, thank God it was that one again. And I got it back, and I figured out the only problem that happened after that was she actually. So I fixed the problem with the glass. I stopped the glass from being able to slide. Mm-hmm. She wedged herself so hard in between that that she actually screwed her spine up in two spots, uh, like below her neck. She has bumps, and uh, you know. Because she was pushing so hard and got herself wow. stuck, and because she's smart enough to know how she did it the last time. Wow. So yeah, I had to deal with that. But she's <laughs> she's 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 fine. I mean, it's just it's you know cosmetic more than anything. It doesn't affect her. She eats, sheds, uh, moves perfectly fine. She just has two little bumps on her spine where uh, I'm sure some sort of scar tissue or something. Uh, it hasn't gotten any worse. I haven't had a need to bring her to a vet or anything. So. So now, what do you think was motivating her so strong? I mean, they're just white lips. They're extremely mobile, <laughs> um, a very okay. mobile species. Like they're, they will use uh, every inch that you give them. Trees, uh, floor, in the bedding. They're just a very mobile uh, species. So I think it just, it was just exploring the cage one night. It found a weak point that I didn't have the sliding glass doors locked, so they couldn't. They don't really move very easily. You got to really work it. But she right. was able to be smart enough to figure out, oh, if I do this <laughs> and open the, the glass a little bit and, uh, you know, got out. And unf- wow. I mean, to be fair, this was, so the first time she escaped in my dad's house, we caught her, put her back in. We watched her go back to the same exact goddamn spot. And we fi- she started coming out the, the <laughs> wow. glass. She figured out that the glass. So she's smaller than my 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 larger one. And so when we first had her in that cage at my dad's house, we actually, I don't remember why we did this, but we put her in that cage. I don't remember why we put the bigger one, maybe in a tub or something. I don't remember why we did that, but we watched her and she figured out that the glass at the top was able to be pushed apart just enough that she could fit her body out. Wow. But so we caught her that night, put her back in and we watched her. And sure enough, here she goes right back to the same spot, starts coming out. And I'm like, nope. So I had to, you know. wedge something so she couldn't uh pop the glass panes apart so do Uh, you uh, you know i've seen these you know like when at jeweler stores you know they have those um glass exactly what i use okay yeah you almost need to yeah they work they work very well honestly they work very very well but i had a, a full stack of cages that they i think they were they might have been supposed to come with those but they didn't or something and then, uh, like my jungles, I mean, I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. I still have two cages back there that are not locked. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I guess I haven't learned, but it's two jungles in there. They don't, the jungles, they don't push like that or they don't, they haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. Great. Knock on wood right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, oh. was your, is your white lip wild caught cap? Oh no, they, they're wild. Uh, at least one's a hundred percent wild caught, and I'm trying to remember the other one. Um, I thought there was some story about it possibly being captive born, but in my mind, they're probably both wild caught because this is this was back when when I got both of them, 
they really weren't being produced almost very, very rare, much rarer now. I mean, Ryan Young crushes it. He breeds his both blacks and golds uh, pretty often. And there's a lot of other people having uh, success with him. But back when I first was working with him, like, nah, it was much more sporadic. So chances are wild caught. Hmm. Yeah. So they, they know the sweet taste of freedom. So they're, they're more willing to work <laughs> oh, for it. I'm God, betting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm betting. Just... I've got to let one of my puppies out. I'll be oh, right back. You're golden. <laughs> no worries about that. My dogs, my wife's taking care of my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's got the kids and the dog. So. Oh yeah, no kids here. We're uh, yeah, no kids, just dogs, two dogs, and oh, everything man. else. But yeah, you got um, Sav. Oh, Savu pythons have been on my list for a really long time. Dude, such um, cool, such cool little pythons, man. They're almost, they're almost like a colubrid when they move, because like you take them out and they're so active. Like they don't, they're the worst snake in the world to take pictures of. The worst, because if you try to put them in some sort of setup, light box or anything else, I don't care what you do, like they're not going to stop moving. The only way to take, the only way to get pictures of them is open a tub, take that the hide off before they start moving and get a picture of them. Uh, yeah, no, they're. The good old hat trick. The hat trick don't work on them, man. I've left Savus under bowls, or you know, same same concept for dude. I I I think I did it for thirty minutes one day. I was like, I'm just gonna leave you there, thirty like thirty minutes or something absurd like that. Came back, lifted it, and just starts moving around. I'm like, ah, yeah, they're very much like a colubrid. I think I could get one out actually. Maybe. Oh, maybe not. Oh, in food mode. No, yeah, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, sorry, I was going to bring a Sabu out, but it's nighttime, and my, my female's on eggs, so I'm not touching her. Oh, but, uh, yeah, oh you're doing maternal. maternal. Oh, yeah, I'm a big, uh, oh, that's awesome. Scared to death, which is hilarious, <laughs> because uh, if you guys go down my blogs enough, you'll read, I, I, actually, I wrote uh, a blog on maternal incubation, because I've done it with carpets, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, first time's always scary. It's always sketchy, um, but with carpets, like now, like mm-hmm. God, if I have a jungle uh, clutch, like I'm not even stressed. I let the fe- as long as a female looks, it, have it. I don't, I don't even look at the eggs or anything for. I don't even start paying attention till day 52, and I don't expect the egg a hatch till 60 to 65. Usually, uh, it's it's a beautiful thing, but uh, <laughs> Sabu's is scaring the hell out of me. Cause it's, it's, <laughs> Nobody's not very many people have done it. Uh, my buddy Lon Dexler, uh, he uh, um, he did it. I think it was last year or the year before. His female did maternal and had success with it. Uh, I've seen a couple other people try. I know people have tried it, and you know, partway through they they canceled it out for one reason or another. So it's not well documented. Uh, but she's doing really good so far. Uh, I'm trying to leave her alone for at least a week. Cause I looked the first couple of days I kept checking and checking temperatures and like, all right, so I'm going to try and leave her alone for a while and hope things go well. But yeah, uh, so I was going to take my they... mail out, but he was, as soon as he was, <laughs> he's in food mode right now. He was darting around like, ah, no, we're not going to do that. So when you say they cancel out the maternal hatch, um, do they grab them and then put, finish them in the incubator yeah. or hundred percent? Yeah. They just, they just, end the uh, maternal incubation, take her off and put them in a, uh, I know at least one, they, they were nervous because uh, the eggs were looking deflated, so their humidity, they were nervous about. Um, I feel like there was another one I saw kind of a similar story. I don't remember what the reason was, but they 
after a couple weeks or so, they, they, uh, you know, they took her off the eggs. Um, but yeah, we'll see, you know, I, Mm -hmm. my fingers are crossed. There's way, and I've been looking at a lot of the hatch, uh, time periods and they're like, Oh, 65 68 days and i'm like oh god i'm like it's i mean i know that's perfect i've had carpets go that long but i'm like man that just seems like so much longer when i'm doing it with them yeah i'm I'm so nervous but we'll see i mean i mean at the at the very least i've i'm happy because i now have a narrowed down uh time period for them Mm -hmm. you know i know her cycle I, i actually had her cycle pretty good a couple of years ago, uh, I believe I did not leave the mail in long enough. Uh, Gary, how do you say his last name? Gary Shivano. He he had commented on either one of his videos or one of the conversations about it. He felt he felt that uh, one of his failures. He's had actually a lot of success breeding sabus in recent years, but one of his uh, misses he felt was uh, he pulled the mail too early. So this year I left the mail in there as long as until I came home one night and it was a football in her body. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> now I can pull Like Now I'll pull the mail. And, uh, so I think la- the last time I was close with her, mm-hmm. um, I think I might've pulled the mail early. I don't know, but now at least I have some dates to kind of, to kind of go with and a general time period. So, so I'm, what is, fingers crossed. What is that general time period of leaving the mail? with a female uh i have something written down so this year uh so she ovulated on february 27th so uh that is you know i I can work off of that uh time period so but you know before that i probably paired them up a lot during january and february okay so, but I, you know, I don't have, again, I'm terrible. I was terrible with records. <laughs> so I, well, actually my records are like pictures. So I'll go back in my, in my oh. pictures of my phone and be like, Oh, yeah. here's that, that time period or when yeah. I posted that <laughs> and go uh-huh. off of that. But so she ovulated two twenty seven. So, um, you know, if, if, if I were to try to breed them next year or the year after, uh, you know, I would just kind of work backwards from that date and know okay she she should be ovulating sometime in the end of february so i would make sure uh i pair them up january into february and just keep them together again until i see her just i mean there was no absolutely zero mistake like i have these i have this thing where my wife my wife will be my my set of eyes who like will walk in like i'm looking at it and i'm like ah my wife will come in and be like oh no you're right like it's looking bigger but uh there was a big difference between that and the what I, I she was getting huge, getting huge, and I came home from one night of work and I opened a tub and I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> like I've heard that with other species, like carpets is one thing, but there's other species that when they ovulate, man, it's it, oh, like what you don't you you think you're seeing it for a week before it until you actually see it and then you go, yeah, no, that's an ovulation. So then I took the mail out and. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, I was pretty confident at that point, and she laid what looks like a very good clutch. Hopefully, we'll uh-huh. see. So, what what number in the clutch? I don't know. I didn't take her off. Oh, oh! Uh, from okay. the eggs, I could see what that she showed me when I when I was uh, checking on her one of the day, couple days after. I could see about seven. Um, so, based on that, I'm thinking more than seven, maybe ten, maybe eight. It's tough to say. You know, she's she just loosens up just enough because she's pissed off of you. Um, <laughs> and you can kind of, and I took a couple pictures, so like I can count seven eggs, mm-hmm. but you can kind of, 
you know, say, ah, there's definitely a couple that you don't see underneath or here. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking seven to 10, which is about in range of where, uh, where it seems a lot of these other guys have had clutches. I think 10 to 12 is probably, uh, if I got, I think 12 would be my absolute max where I, I would think hmm. she has. That's, that's high, high range, but I'm guessing around 10. Now, do the fertile eggs chalk the way turtle eggs do? <coughs> um, I don't think so. I don't think they really do. I, I kind of understand what you're saying. I don't think they, I don't, I would describe that the same way. Me, anyway. Oh, okay. I, you cut off there a little bit. Um, so they don't change yeah, so, the color. Uh, yeah. Um, usually, I don't think fertile eggs, it's just they kind of, I don't know. I don't think they really chalk like that. Usually, it's infertile eggs will go to shit, basically. Oh, okay. Um, eventually. You can kind of tell an infertile egg from a fertile more or less. <laughs> it's hard with MI because I'm not pulling her, so I can't really get a really good look or candle the eggs. But, I mean, they looked... They, they weren't slugs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, okay. I figure in a week or so I'll check her again as long as I don't see anything that concerns me uh, before mm -hmm. then. And um, I'm hoping they look decent. We'll see. At what, time, at what time do they start going bad? At what, uh, how many days or? Uh, there's really no set thing. I mean, it just kind of depends mm -hmm. where it is in the clutch and how, is it is it just infertile or is it a slug? Is it, you know... It just depends. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I've had uh, bad eggs in, in uh, maternal clutches that just stay there the whole time. It's like they don't end up rotting mm -hmm. uh, and smelling like you would expect, but, you know, they're just not good. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, you, you, the, the babies hatch and you take the clutch and you're like, oh, this one was a dud. Not good. Yeah, a dud. <laughs> yeah. It was no good. Yeah. A lot yeah. of the time, um, infertiles, or not infertiles, but uh, – slugs they'll uh they'll boot from the clutch actually uh okay you know you'll, i've had that with jungles i didn't notice any with her but i've had that with jungles where you know they'll lay the clutch to lay on the clutch and you might find one or two slugs off the side hmm. so. what what is it what does it look like when you candle a slug i mean is it i mean you can tell looking at a slug it just looks like a like a, a slimmer it's usually a, more of a yellowish tone. Uh, okay. I don't even candle them. You can just tell looking at them. They just oh. don't. They're basically a yellowish tone. They're smaller. They're thinner. Um, it looks yeah. like a bad egg. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah I mean, it's, it's just clearly a bad egg. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's very clear. You can't. It's not like something you you have to uh, kind of guess at. You can just see it and you're like, yeah, no, that's a slug. That's a slug. Oh. Just, you can just tell by looking at it. I've not seen that in what little turtle um eggs that i've dealt with and it's just um usually you know i'll have some even chalk and then they never form an embryo which i, mm. I you know like there'll be a spot and then it doesn't develop beyond that while all of its clutch mates are developing an embryo as normally so, yeah there's yeah. a lot of weird things that happen in reproduction i wrote a, an article about that uh the good bad and ugly breeding or something <laughs> like that and it, it's it is it's you know you have to look at reproduction of animals as a, a, an extra biological process that you're putting these animals through that are going to up the risk of something going wrong, right? So, like, mm -hmm. just normal having a pet, you know, having a pet dog, as we all have dogs and stuff, you know, cancer is a, is a random thing that might pop up, but mm -hmm. it, it, it might not, or it might, um, but, you know, once you start breeding, that ups your statistic ability 
or statistic probability, I'm sorry, to uh, have things go wrong. And, and mm-hmm. the more the, the problem is the more animals you have, statistically, the more issues you're going to have, the, the more likely you're going to have that one has cancer, that one that yeah. has something just you don't even know, it just dies. Uh, mm-hmm. And breeding just adds another uh, thing into that mix where yeah. it's just another variable, a very yeah. dangerous variable. And, yeah. and we've had it. I, ha- I lost an IJ that way. Uh, she got egg bound. And uh, we did what we could, and uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. she didn't make it. Um, but uh, it was kind of like you said with the egg. It was very weird. The egg they got egg bound. Um, she laid three eggs. Uh, they all hatched. I had them for a while. Uh, I sold them. Um, I don't remember if she had infertiles or, or slugs or not. But she had three eggs, and then she got egg bound. And the egg that was egg bound, it was the weirdest thing I, I've seen. It, it was. Um, it was almost like the inside was all calcified. It was like, it was all cal. Mm. It was almost like a solid egg. You know, if, if mm. best way I can explain it, like we pulled it out we're like, the fuck is this? And it was just like the inside was just, just basically like the same as the shell almost. Wow. Yeah. It was basically all calcified inside and that's the egg that had bound her. And unfortunately she did not survive that, uh, mm. man. That, and that, that shit hit me hard for a while. I and mean, it's, it's, yeah. but unfortunately being a breeder, that's the risk you run of all this shit. Unfortunately. Yeah, I- yeah, I used to breed horses, and you know, you, there's a lot of heartaches. You know, I unfolding. couldn't even imagine yeah. a large mammal. You know what I mean? I really can't. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I in in these turtles, you know, and you know, I, the biochem firm that I worked with, the biochemist that started the business, she helped um, humans and their horses primarily with um, fertility issues, and a hmm. lot of it had to do with environmental toxins that they're um they were either working around like one of our the families that we helped were sod they uh, they were one of the biggest sod farmers and 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 right away when the woman first contacted us she just she told us that all all their thyroids are stopping to function i go and you're a farmer and she goes well yeah and i go uh are you a sod farmer because i know Mm. they use tons of glyphosate to get those grasses perfect she goes uh yeah (laughs) she goes and i go yeah we usually hear thyroids of a whole family collapse even in their children like eight years old thyroid is just stopping and i said well you know glyphosate is a hormone disruptor and it's disrupting your thyroid from functioning and you know and so and we found that with their horses too you know it was a matter of stop you know and and when you ingest or breathe in something you know that is um you know, the food that you ingest can be full of glyphosate, you know, so oh, we, yeah. we had to get the the people to put their animals on, you know, um, organically grown foods and that that family decided to go organic. And, you know, otherwise, you know, their children were going to have non-functioning thyroids and uh, and on, you know, it's just really sad, you know, and, and not enough of that is known. And, and I know, you know, with my clown turtle, I was seeing that a lot of these standard turtle pellets have just tons of non-organic grain in them, you know, totally away from their species specific diet. And so I I found pellets that um, were more conducive to what they would be eating in the wild and grown without pesticides. And lo and behold, now she's growing, her scoots are finally lifting and it's, you know, at the, you know, she was um, a, um, an October 2019 hatch and she's finally going to shed 
her scoots normally, but I had to get off commercial turtle pellets. Yeah, you know, diet is a super under uh, underrated uh, thing of importance when it comes to all the animals. Uh, it's it's one of those things that's very easy to kind of get set in a way, and 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 you know, so something that you may not know as a turtle person, but as a snake person is the snake world. We are fucking miles behind you guys in terms yeah, of absolutely. everything. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, so I've dabbled over the years in, in every community. Uh, I used to dabble a lot. And when I say dabble, I mean uh, kind of uh, as an observer, maybe if I'm not even keeping them, monitor community is one of them. Uh, I got a lot of friends in the monitor community, but in the old days, like, um, you know, I, I was just an observer. Like I, I dabbled, I'd have one here, I'd have one there. Uh, but I would dabble in the forums mostly. So uh, those guys and the, and the turtle people have really made a lot more improvement in how they're keeping uh, their stuff than snake people, unfortunately. And uh, I haven't just... seen that really. I've been talking to a lot of readers who've been contacting me about, oh, now we're not, you know, my females aren't, have stopped producing. You know, what what's the deal? And I go, well, first thing I ask, what are you feeding? And a lot of them are feeding the commercial pellets with a lot of glyphosate in them. And so I would think with the snake people, you you guys are feeding, you know, rats and mice and non-grain so, stuff. Yeah, so <laughs> terribly so here's, so here's the tough part of that some is cases. we've uh, we've created this uh, this um, this archetype or this 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 uh, outline of how you're supposed to keep all snakes, right? So mm -hmm. Basically, it's it's the same outline, and everybody uses my one of my favorite terms is blanket husbandry, right? We blanket <laughs> a group, a large group of animals with the same husbandry because we think mm -hmm. it's it's similar. Uh, so, but the problem with a lot of snakes is rodents is obviously e easiest, cheap, cheapest uh, thing to feed. A lot of snakes don't eat rodents, or a lot of snakes eat rodents as a very small portion of their diet. Um, so, in that way. It's tough. See, it's tough because the turtles. You have a lot of the. You have a lot of the pet people that get that turtle at the pet store, and they're doing that whole thing. But the better <laughs> way to go, you know, if you're watching this, if you're a turtle person, or if you're anything, really look at the diet, you know, and try mm -hmm. to try to at least. It's it's very, it's very difficult to mimic nature and and the natural way they're going to eat and, and say. Mm -hmm. But if you can feed it, um, very diet somewhat relatively within the realm of what they're eating um do so snakes is tough but if you can get quail if you can get uh, uh fish i mean i, I know uh, uh the uh the god of blackhead pythons uh derek roddy really good dude uh, yep i've talked to him before derek's a good he's, dude. he's played with my cousin who's now passed away but he's played on stage with my cousin before oh very so. cool so yeah so for those who don't know derek roddy you should because he's an awesome musician uh <laughs> world-renowned musician but he's also uh, the blackhead uh, guru the guy <clears throat> and uh great guy i got to hang out with him in florida I, he actually had me and my wife over to his uh his his place where he had his snakes at the time and he had his whole studio and all that and just super cool That'd be dude super cool yeah he's, he's a he's a friend of mine and um but he was talking about with the blackheads you know he would feed them he would go to the the markets and get fish you know whole fish uh just different things you know because those guys like those guys in the wild are eating like bearded dragons and you know stuff like that so 
if you feed certain species, I remember this keeping venomous and, and, uh, you know, a lot of people feed baby pit vipers, certain vipers, not all, this doesn't apply to everything, but certain tree vipers, you know, they feed them pinky mice mm-hmm. and, um, or pinky mice heads. God, that brings back memories. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pinky you parts. <laughs> pinky you, have parts. Not, you have not lived until you spent three hours, four hours of your night holding a pinky head on a set of tongs <laughs> in front of a, a an Aetherus clarecus, a baby uh, West African ooh. bush viper. Oh yeah. <laughs> waiting waiting for this fucking thing to decide to grab it, but uh, you just accident you just touched its nose and now it's you scared it and now it won't eat for two more hours. Like uh, you haven't lived. They were pains in the asses. But um <laughs> I, I always felt I'm like this just doesn't make sense. These guys are more of like a small frog or like small lizard eater, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it in terms of that, like we're feeding an all mice diet to some things that biologically are just not built the same way carpets the carpet community we we get off real easy because they're super adaptable to eat whatever the hell we give them they live in crazy different uh environments and they thrive in all of them humid non-humid semi-hot not too hot but hot cooler um we get away with a lot but there's a lot of other stuff and and turtles fall in this where like if you can give them a better diet uh, and i do this with our tortoise uh, i have given her uh what's the missouri you know the the that stuff the yeah the yeah the Missouri um, pellets that you soften. Yep, I've given her yeah. that in the past, but I haven't given her those. They they're kind of hard to get locally, so I haven't really given her those. But I try to give her you know just varied and and redfoot tortoise they eat protein, so I'll give her mushrooms. I'll give her uh, uh, rodents. Uh, <laughs> I've given her uh, actually. I'll take. I have a ton of stuff for my monitor lizard downstairs in the freezer, like uh, turkey meat. Uh, um, uh, frozen shrimp, uh, chicken hearts. I'll give that to the tortoise too. I'll take a little bit extra and give it to the tortoise. Mm-hmm. And then my wife's, <laughs> my wife has been collecting 7,000 dandelions lately. <laughs> she comes up at the end of the, she came up tonight, gave her a pile, a, a mountain of dandelions because wow. it's dandelion season here. So, uh, you know, the more varied you can go with a diet within the realm yeah. of what their diet should be yes. naturally instead of commercially uh, mm-hmm. with, you can do commercial too. Uh, you know, as a, as a supplement and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But the more you can move towards a natural and the better varied diet you can go, the, just the better you're going to be off. Yeah, with with the rescue turtles, I, I can't feed them live foods because I, they have to be health approved for release. And so uh, okay. um, the live foods could give them flukes, you know, or mm. nematodes or, you know, you, you know, you name it. And so, um, you know, I have to give them cooked you know, cooked foods, you know, that, you know, that are their native diet, but everything, yep. everything has to be cooked. Um, they, they get the same organic greens I eat, <laughs> you know, the, the real dark leafy, thick, good romaine and Boston lettuce is not the, the thin light green anemic stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and they get that, um, every night, you know, their greens. And then in the morning they get their, um, pellet foods and the, the pellet foods that I've found are, you know, boy, it took me three years to find this, you know, um, a pellet that is one I can trust. And then, then they get chopped, you know, chicken hearts and all that kind of stuff like you guys do. But yeah. with, with all that, um, uh, the feeding of the live or frozen foods that you do, do you, you know, do you have to treat your, your snakes with, you know, um, 
like panicure, you know, for no, I do all snakes. I'll be honest, get either um, all rodents or or rodents and um, uh, quail, and it's all frozen thawed from good sources. So yeah, I don't do any. Uh, I mean, if I got like a wild caught something in, where I, 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 my collection is mostly closed. I'll be honest at this point. I haven't added a snake other than uh, the two in the base, or the. I'm sorry. I actually have a blood python, two blood pythons, and two carpets in the basement. Um, that again came from my friend that passed away. His collection, but besides that, I mean, I haven't added anything in God for a while. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I don't really add wild caught stuff anymore anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stuff that I'm feeding is the snake wise is um, you know not an issue. And, uh, even even otherwise, I mean, that's most of the stuff that I'm feeding isn't anything that should have parasites, uh, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh. interesting. Um, so uh, back on the on this, <clears throat> the turtle hobby being ahead, I do agree, but I do think turtles require more minimally. Oh, I mean, the terrible they're, pets. They're, <laughs> they're, they're just, hey now. <laughs> well, no, it's so it, you got to look at it like this, right? So. Um, for instance, so me and my wife own uh, two dogs, and one of them is a 100% Siberian Husky. Oh, and she's, yeah. There you go. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we ju- we just lost one to old age, so yeah. Oh God, Husky. Um, he a German Shepherd Husky. We normally go to the shelters and and just you know we we look at what they have you know, available when we are ready for a new dog. And I said, Oh, wow, that's us. You know, so we like the German shepherd Husky crosses. Uh, It's kind of like the best of both, you know, the, the German shepherd with the best of both. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, with with the two that I have had, the, the, the German shepherd goes into, they really are are, are home buddies and want to stay with you. They're friendly. And yet, boy, do they know, then do they know when it's time to attack a perp? I've, I've had, yeah, see, that's not a Husky. There's no Husky yeah, in, no. in that moment because no, no, not me. at all. And I, I had oh my, God. my first German shepherd Husky stopped an armed robber and really? at, at a, at a, oh yeah. At an, at a art gallery I was at. Wow. And so, you know, so I was sold, that was my first and I was sold on them. And um, my brother had a wolf dog that saved me too. when I was out hiking and a guy tried to kidnap me and it's just wow. like, he put it into that. And so, I mean, I always liked that type of dog. Yeah. And so we, we just a, a adopted one that looks like a chocolate coyote. <laughs> and oh, wow. they, they said he was a chocolate lab, German shepherd cross. I go, no, the, you know, Joel had lab at a lab and, and I said, no, this is something different. So we asked one of our trainers, he goes, that's an Australian Kelpie. And they, they can, the, the long, tall ones um, have part dingo in them. I go, that's what I'm seeing. <laughs> that's <know>? so awesome. <laughs> and are he's you gonna got, do the, are you going to do the DNA test or no? Yeah, we, we did will. That with both of ours. Yeah, we will. And, and it's, he's got the teeth. He's small. He's only like 50 pounds, but he's got the teeth of an, a hundred pound German shepherd. I mean, it's oh, like wow. huge teeth, yeah. <laughs> but he's as friendly and whatever. But then, and then all you know, I said, no, he's got that. I will protect you. Cause all of a sudden a, a stranger came up the road and he, his hackles went up like, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of, so I, I, I saw that you, I think you commented liked on one of the dog pictures. Yes. Yeah. The, so the one that, he's, yeah. The, the one he's waiting Odin. for mom he's, to come so he's home. He's not a Husky. That's, there's a long, funny story how we ended up with him. Uh, essentially we got him for the Husky cause the Husky has uh, isolation anxiety and that's mm-hmm. 
Ah, that was a long battle. <laughs> that is super hard. Yeah, yeah it was uh, very hard. I mean, I mean, to, I'll be honest. There was a night where me and my I came home and me and my wife, you know, both in tears. I had I said, you know, there was that moment where are we going to rehome her or are we going to like double down? And thank God we doubled down. And it's been it was you know it's been a journey. But um, you know what I was saying was so for instance. You know, when I say turtles and retics are bad pets, what I mean by that is it's for 99% of the people. And, and we have a husky, and I can tell you, for 90% of the people, huskies are terrible, they're, they're terrible always, dogs. They're, they're, they're very yeah. – They're always at the shelters. That bitch was yelling at us before, I promise you, because she <laughs> – I what? like a child. Everyone talks about their child talking back. I'm like, y'all, I got a husky. Does the same damn thing. I promise you. And I mean that. Yeah. Uh, we, and we love it. <laughs> and the problem, the problem right now is, is that uh, my wife's work schedule, my work schedule, they can't go to the dog sitter more than once a week. And our dog sitter, who lives five minutes from here, usually they go like twice a week at least. And uh, they play all day. It tires them out. Mm-hmm. Lately, that hasn't been happening, so we're getting oh, yelled at by the husky a lot because she's got just pent up energy, and she's yeah. she's like seven years old, almost eight, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, I hear them coming upstairs. They're going yes. to bed, I think. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, well, um, but it's the same thing. So with turtles, with retics, because I know Matthew, you kind of want to touch on this when I made a, I, I commented on uh, the gumbos thing. Yeah, I, I've actually, I don't know if you guys, I don't know how much you guys know about me somewhat but i've i've been controversial more than once <laughs> i've pissed the yeah. big snake community off because so i'm gonna i'm gonna i don't like telling this story i'm gonna tell the story yeah please I pissed off the big snake people before right because big snakes are tough man um mm-hmm. i got friends that, uh, plenty of friends that are in that community uh some of my best friends are big snake keepers um some some years ago i uh I think this was the first or second time I went to my now very good friend Dan Liebel's house, and uh, <laughs> oh god! So the thing with going to Dan's house is Dan uh, used to have a lot more animals. He was an educator, uh, fantastic educator, and, and um, animal keeper, and uh, he was the guy with the the wood turtles. But he had a lot of big snakes and anacondas. Um, so anyway, so he had this African rock python. Uh oh. Right. So I go up to his house with my buddy, my other, our other friend, Brian, we go up to his house and, uh, Dan's like, Oh yeah, come back to reptile room. We'll, you know, we'll do pictures, you know, we'll put the retics on my neck, do the pictures, do the whole thing. Right. (laughs) So I I don't like telling this story, but so he gets, he, he's like, all right, listen, let's, we're going to take the African rock out. He's like, so usually the name, the name, the snake's name was Ram is Rambo. (laughs) <laughs> and um, he's like, so when I'm drunk, he's usually pretty good. So, all right, so Dan had been drinking. I'm like, all right. So he, we take Rambo out. We go out. And his reptile room at the time was a very narrow uh, side room. So we take the, usually take the snake out and by the dining room, more space, put him around his shoulder, take pictures, you know. And, uh, so we go out there we put rambo around my neck and he's like listen uh just don't let him get to the ground because if he gets to the ground he's gonna feel like you're over him he's gonna come up at you i'm like <laughs> <laughs> all right okay now come up at you then come up to bite so, you like who knows oh, okay yeah okay so we put rambo around my neck 
and Dan's favorite thing is like when Dan takes pictures, he's one of these guys that takes 7,000 pictures. He's on your phone, you know, because <laughs> he doesn't know what one's going to be the one, but he's right. going to take. So he does. So he starts taking 7,000 pictures. So Rambo is on my neck, throws his. He, he starts twitching a little bit. He's not comfortable. He throws his tail over this way. Mm. I let him do it because I'm like, it's, it's an African rock. And Dan says, oh, he's just trying to hold on. He doesn't feel comfortable, so he's just trying to get it, just kind of hold on. So, listen, I've had a lot of big snakes around my neck. Like, I'm not terrified of having anaconda retick around my neck at all. He, he, he throws the tail over. I'm under the assumption that he's trying to hold on to me, like, more like a tree. He doesn't feel comfortable just draped. Throws the tail over. He starts cinching. Uh. So, I'm like, ah, he's... He's, you know, Dan, he's getting tight, man. He's like, oh, no, he's fine. He's just trying to hold on to you. Click, 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 click. The, the funny part is you can see in the pictures, which have never been posted publicly. You can see in the pictures, like, the, there's the look a look on your face. Yeah. You, you can see, like, my oh. face kind of changes. I'm like, right? Oh. Dan's like, all right, all right, whatever. Puts my phone down, comes over. <laughs> Dan oh. comes over and goes to, like, you know, pull the coil off, and he goes, Oh God! Oh, this is real. Oh jeez! Like, yeah, like so, we go back. So we go to snake room, and and I got to the point where he had me. The problem is, I let him have my throat. So he had me at the moment where, like, now I'm seeing, I'm starting to see like the fuzzies, stars. the stars. Like mm-hmm. I'm there, but Dan gets. I'm not in any real danger. Dan's there. There's actually my friend Brian. <laughs> the real funny part of the story is my friend Brian <laughs> is with. My my friend Dan, now fiance, in the other room watching TV, and they're laughing. They're watching a funny show. They're laughing loud. <laughs> I'm sucking air. They're in the other room laughing. Dan, Dan gets Dan gets him off. Right, he gets him off. Okay. We get him off my neck. Now he wraps Dan's hand. Now Dan's hand goes wow. purple. He's holding him so tight. Wow. At this point, Rambo's eight feet. I think seven, eight, nine feet in that range. Not huge. But, you know, sizable. Um, we get him off Dan's hand. We get him back in his cage. And now he starts slamming the glass. Oh, like, my. Thank God he wasn't doing that while he was on us. He didn't start yeah. biting until that point. Oh, wow. Which was great. So, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that is great. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I kind of, you know, whoo, you know, I do yeah. that whole thing. Me and Dan are like, holy shit. So we go to the next room where Brian and, and Kim were. And we're like, we sit down. And I'm like, yo. I almost fucking got killed. And they 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 start laughing and Dan's like, no, like Rambo tried to kill Scott. So the funniest, the funny part of that story is how like uh, Dan's nephew is also, I'm going to say a ginger, but he's, you know, redhead. I'm kind of red. I'm blonde, but red is wrong. <laughs> Apparently Rambo had had issues with him too. So now the joke oh, is, wow. oh, he hates gingers, right? <laughs> and then uh, like a few weeks later, Rambo uh, bit a good friend of ours also. Um, so the best part, Dan's this kind of guy that like, I'll be laying in bed with my wife on a random Wednesday night, eight o'clock at night. And there's a picture of Rambo on my phone. Hey, Rambo misses you. (laughs) Uh, he actually sold, so he actually sold that animal. He doesn't have the animal anymore. So, but I say that to go back to the retic thing and everything else. Um, so that was a seven to nine foot constrictor and had i been alone it probably oh, would have been scary 
Yeah. It, it opened my eyes to the possibilities yeah. of what these animals really are, right? Yeah. So I, I took um, – I took offense to what a lot of the people were doing, albeit uh, well-intentioned, when they post videos to show retics with, like, their kids. And you can't see them in the video. And I'm like, look, I get it. I know what you're doing. You know, whatever. I get it. But, like, you know, you guys aren't understanding the battle I have to deal with. Not just me, but, you know, the people have to deal with in the comments when your video goes viral. Mm-hmm. And the general public sees it, right? So they don't understand yeah. it. But you know, retic the retic people. Um, uh, unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of the retic people have forgotten that retics are just uh, very large semi-arboreal snakes. They're not berms. Uh, they right. overgrow them a lot. And I'll be honest, they suck as pets. They're big, giant animals, and they're being kept in shit cages. I'm sorry, I said it. Not by everybody. This is a very right. generalization, but yeah. a lot, you know, a lot. And and mm-hmm. same with a lot of stuff. Um, you know, we've seen a big change in the monitor community specifically. Uh, there, a lot of people are keeping in much bigger cages. Um, you know, turtles. There's a lot more turtle keepers keeping them outside in large enclosures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, our redfoot. I feel bad during the winter. She's inside. Um, I live in New York, but she's out. Uh, pretty much all like like late spring to early fall um mm-hmm. you know within once the temperatures are within her range a healthy range she's outside in a, in a larger um enclosure um a lot of turtle people like uh greg um what's his name um chris uh from garden state lives down in jersey oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. incredible man like, yeah that stuff is just wild mm-hmm. um and there's a lot more people kind of going that way with turtles um <laughs> You know, but the snake hobby, unfortunately, we got stuck in this uh, breeder-only mentality. We forgot the 99% of the pet keeper that, like, you know, like, if you have three ball pythons, like, give them really nice cages. Like, mm-hmm. they can go for more. Like, give them more. Like, buy yeah. It, you know? Um, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm a breeder, so I'm, I'm also talking out my ass because I have snake rats. <laughs> so I'll be honest with you. I mean, mm-hmm. but... I'm not keeping adults in cages where they can't move or, or in racks where they can't move. Um, right. The cage isn't the hide. But, <laughs> yeah. 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 The yeah, cage exactly. isn't the, cage, the hide. The, the, the rack is not the hide and they all have hides in their, in their racks anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, retics, things like retics are really not kept very well by 97% of the hobby. Uh, turtles don't make good pets. For most mm-hmm. people, but that's not everybody. Uh, it's yeah. a very generalization, but you know, like I said, with the it goes back to the having a husky. You know, for a lot of people, a husky is not a great dog to have. But for some people that have the means, have the um, ability, um, it's fine. You know, I'll be I'll be honest. It was a lot of work for our husky. <laughs> Uh, she, I mean, she had issues before. We, so we rescued her at two years old. Uh, we also mm-hmm. rescued Odin, which is, you said, uh, you know, shelters. Odin's a shelter dog. We have a shelter mm-hmm. um, right up the road. That's where he was. And one of our cats came from the same shelter. Um, so they're all rescues. And, and the husky came with pre-issues anyway, which may just compounded things. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, everything they say online about huskies is fucking accurate. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she's an she's an absolute nut job. Uh, I mean, and the thing goes with retics, you know, they're very. You gotta understand, these are very large, um, very very large, uh, semi arboreal, very good predators. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, 
some of the ho- some of the hobby, not all, treats them like they're more like Burmese or they're not. And I'm like, you know, all I asked the big snake community was to not post videos uh, with their kids in an uncontrolled um, manner. Uh, I said, you get the same effect with a, a three-foot retic, a baby, mm-hmm. you know? The same thing. It's still a snake. You're still showing the same thing, a snake with a, a young person, but like, like I'm telling you, man, a lot yeah. of them don't uh, <clears throat> don't appreciate and respect what those animals are yeah. uh, able to do in just an instant, like an African rock did to my neck, which was, yeah. you know, my, me and my friends laugh about it and, yeah. and stuff, but it, you know, in in different circumstances, it's it's a dangerous game. Well, that's why I posted on my I think Facebook page um, and uh, uh, Black Hills Turtle forum that uh that shows this video of a, a girl kissing her turtle or going to kiss the turtle and the turtle bites her lip yeah i know and, exactly the video you're talking about <laughs> yeah. and i tell people not only you know the lip damage but the bacteria that mm. you know that the turtle can carry you know and that's why you know turtles below four inches were not sold because kids were putting them in in their mouths yeah. and and even a, a baby turtle will bite your tongue or bite the inner cheek or, you know, and then now you have an open wound with an animal that could be carrying salmonella. And it's like, you know, people, <laughs> you know, and then, and like you said, people will then ask me questions like, you know, and I said, and I tell them, I said, my turtles are not like cats and dogs that come to me for love. They'll recognize when I walk into the room, like, like, oh, feed me, you know, yeah. and, and they'll do that to me, but they won't do it to Joel because Joel doesn't feed them. So they yeah. know who the feeder person is. Um, but do they love me? No. <laughs> are they bonded to me? No. I mean, they're, you know, and, you know, like you said, you know, it's better to keep them apart, you know, and. Um, you know, cause you know, I, I have to treat the ones, you know, that, that bite one another, you know, but I've got these nine, you know, wild juveniles that I can't have in nine different tanks, you know, mm-hmm. so I've got them all in one tank and I'm, you know, hyper feeding them so that they you know, leave one another alone. But it's just like, Oh, I can't wait till I can let these things go. <laughs> you know? yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's as they say, I guess God's work, man, that rescue. I, I honestly wish I could do rescue. Um, I just can't risk the collection I have uh, yeah. with that. I wish I could do it. Um, the only thing I, I'm, <laughs> I have the, I have, I have uh, an application downstairs. I still have to refill, not refill out, but complete uh, for New York uh, as far as uh, uh, relocating nuisance uh, timber rattlesnakes and stuff. That's uh, a whole other freaking can of worms. The state, the state, the state approached me and said, "Hey, come to this course that we that you're going to need if you're interested in doing this. Come to this course. You do this course and and fill out the application. The application is not even for this. It's for something else, but it's the one they use for this." And I said, "You know what? I'll do it. Um, you know, I, I'm because they see me on Facebook, uh, which is interesting. So anyone who's on Facebook groups and thinks uh, your state." Or, or whatever fishing game is not in those. Trust me, they're in all the groups. They see mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Um, that's how they contacted me because a, a few of us uh, snake people uh, in New York, we're in a lot of the uh, – I'm in the Hudson Valley. And uh, we have I have rattlesnakes uh, about 45 minutes in any direction from me um, in the mountains. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was – a lot of us are always – this time of year, like I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. 
more snakes are seen. Everyone's mm-hmm. posted on Facebook. We have a lot of hiking and a lot of local groups uh, that I've been added to. And it's, you know, we're trying to educate and just make people like, hey, you don't have to like snakes, at least respect them. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, people post, what is this snake? Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a lot of rattlesnakes. So DEC obviously saw, uh, they saw me, I guess, and, and other people also um, on these pages. And they, they reached out and said, hey, we'd love you to become a, a nuisance snake uh, relocator, mm-hmm. which is just a fancy word for take the snake from the person that's calling at their house and move it 300 yards, I forget, 300 yards or meters, yeah. whatever it is, um, back into the woods. Mm-hmm. And um but the the process is becoming laughable at this point. Hmm. You know, it's I sent in the application, they sent it back. Oh, it's not complete. We need this other information that we, you know, didn't ask for on the application. I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks, fucking government. Um, so I'm gonna send it back to them, and I, you know, I, I hope because it, it would make life easier. Because I've been called before, like or messaged before, and I got a snake, and you know, this would just make it, you know, legally. Uh, it it would allow me to legally try to help at least some rattlesnakes around here, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, well, rescue is a rescue's a man. That's a tough thing. God, yeah. God, God, thank all you know, people that do that. It's so <laughs> necessary. I yeah, wish I, I could do more. Yeah, and I I can't do much. I mean, I I get a lot of calls, and then they bring me a turtle that's been hit by a car, on, and I I know that I just have to euthanize it. You yeah. know, so. And then, um, you know, but most of these, you know, I, I find one with bad shell rot. I bring it to the vet and then he, you know, I, I never had to deal with shell rot because I keep my water really good. And I don't, yeah, of course, and I don't have them bask on abrasive stone. I use wood or these um, Zoomed um, basking platforms, no rocks at all ever, <laughs> you know, for basking because, you know, you're just asking for abrasions and then the you know, then they can get the shell rut. So I never had, I didn't know how to treat it. You know, we were just going to, I was just going to help her across the road. And then, you know, then I I felt something rough underneath her and I look, I go, oh, wow. I mean, I never seen it like that. And I go, I'm going to take her to the vet and learn how to deal with this in case, you know. So, so he goes, yeah, you're going to have to keep her for, you know, at least two weeks, you know, probably better, you know, five to six and, you know, she's full of eggs. So we're going to give her oxytocin and you're going to have to hatch the eggs while you're treating her. (laughs) I'm like, Ooh. oh man. Wow. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, I'm retired. <laughs> and so those are the turtles I need to, you know, let, we let her go after being treated. Nice. And now I've got all of her babies to let go. <laughs> so yeah, we had uh, we had snapping turtles once because uh my dad's a he just retired, but he was a landscaper for a long time. Oh, actually, fun. I, I worked for him for a long time and That's he nice. uh he dug up a snapping turtle nest one day and oh, of course wow. he hits us up and he's like, Hey, I, we're doing a, we're building a pond. Then we found, Oh wow. We dug up these eggs. So I'm like, all right, uh, give them to me. So that we sure my, and my wife, man, my wife doesn't give a shit about my snakes unless they lay eggs. <laughs> they lay eggs and they hatch. Like that's when she loves them. And, uh, so yeah, she was pumped. We hatched out, um, uh, I forget. I mean, 20 snapping turtles and we, wow. we released them. Yeah, she was pumped about that. But, yes, we did that. <laughs> we did that with a duck once, too. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, because my dad had a – for years, my dad had a pair of ducks that would come every year. And, uh, again, he messaged us and said, hey, uh, it seems that Daisy just laid a random egg in the mulch bed and just left it. I'm like, all right, bet. 
and we <laughs> he gave it to us. My wife hatched it, and uh, yeah, and to this wow. day, a, a friend of ours and take took that animal in because I thank God <laughs> I didn't need that. But uh, so you've built ponds, huh? I'm, I'm going to have Matthew help me because he he's worked for a landscaper that's done all kinds of stuff. Not in years. That's I my trade. Golly, I haven't built a pond in many years. But yes, I did build ponds. Uh, you know, for my father, because my father, um, at a certain point kind of got into aquascaping, um, oh, yeah. later on. So we built a pond at, uh, and there's a guy who, um, I'm seeing on a lot more of the, uh, influencers now, uh, Greg Woodstock. He's oh, kind yes. of been, so Greg Woodstock is the person who designed the, um, the system that essentially a lot of landscapers started using for ponds. Mm-hmm. That were not meant for reptiles or stuff like that, but now I've seen Greg. I mean, it's it's a natural to me. It's a natural progression for tur- people that have turtles and stuff to mm-hmm. deal with him. I've seen. I think I saw videos with him and um, uh, Chris down in right. Jersey. Yeah, and uh, some others. But yeah. originally, Greg Woodstock built ponds, and my dad, from his system, was where the ponds that the whole pond design nice. and the company was where that started and. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I've built some, I built quite a few ponds for him back then, but, cool. uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I like the aquascape school or university because they really teach people how to randomize, you know, instead of just putting the rocks around the pond, looking like, as Greg yep. would say, a necklace, you know, beaded necklace, they know how to randomize the rocks and, the, you know, and so the, the pond edging is plants and rocks and boulders, you know, yep. and it looks real like it's like this you know like it's a a natural pond and yeah my dad went to greg's place in chicago i don't know if he's still there but he had a huge place in chicago my dad went to a big uh pond he sold that place now oh really okay he still has the the major um the aquascape inc headquarters there and then he had he had a big house and a huge huge pond stream system that he built at his Chicago house. Yeah, I and think my dad now, was there when they yeah. built it, actually. And it was that the one with, he had like, I, I think he had one that had like a, a thing that you would, sw- you could swim under or something. My dad was there yeah. for that. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I've now, seen Greg now, in a lot yeah. of turtle places now. Yeah, he's been at, uh, he's built stuff for the monitors of Camp yes. Cannon. And, yep, yep, uh, yep, yep. And a lot of his turtle ponds and his alligator ponds, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. uh, he's, he's done some things for Blake's ranch, um, you know, and, and Chris of, you know, garden state tortoise, you know, for yeah, all the, that whole system yeah. is, is what I built ponds on for my father. Uh, yeah, years ago. I've, I haven't done yeah. it in a long time. Yeah. Great but, um, system. Yeah. It's, it's, and you were dead on. I mean, that was exactly what he did. It was a very uh, randomized, naturalized way of building ponds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had his guys, um, he had a, a one of Greg's main guys was the guy who came to our house. Uh, what they did was to teach my father and, and his employees, including me, how to build these ponds. We did it at my dad's house. Mm-hmm. You know, he came, he taught us. That was yeah, kind of part of the cost balancing of right. that was you came to teach. Um, it saved us some money, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I I did that for a while. And it, it's, yeah, they're very good at educating how to use their product. You know, yeah. it's really wonderful. Yeah, it's a good yeah. product. Back, I don't. I mean, I'm sure now. God, now it's got to be just leaps and bounds above what I uh, what mm-hmm. I mess with. But uh, it is good for snakes. A friend ago. of a friend of mine, who, one of them that gave me a rescue tur- uh, turtle, um, she has a pond, and the snakes show up to eat her goldfish. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, same because, thing. I had you know. a pond. I had a pond. Uh, there was a lady who owned. She was. She had a uh, a uh, some sort of Japanese meditation garden, a whole <laughs> building or or whole uh, like retreat building behind her house in the city, in the city of Poughkeepsie, in like in a city area. But her backyard, she had this this Japanese retreat, and we. I don't think I built the pond for her, but I did a lot of the cleanouts, and I, I remember doing the cleanouts with uh, my, one of my father's very good friends back then, and uh, we we would drain the pond and start cleaning it out. And uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, the frogs that were in the pond, the garter snakes, were like hell yeah, they'd start. <laughs> I've had they, they would shoot between our legs, grab a frog, and drag it out of the pond and eat it. And mm. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> sad for the yeah. frog, but good for the snake. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've had there's a lot of ponds that were real good for all kinds of stuff. I mean, my dad's had we had uh, oh we had fish in that, and then we we eventually had uh, a ridiculous uh, uh, toad uh, breeding that would go on there, and I'll, <laughs> if if your listeners are not used to toad breeding, their call is is very loud and like just nonstop. It's just mm-hmm. it's just constant ringing. And uh, unfortunately, my dad's pond is right outside his bedroom, off of a porch. So like we had toads breeding out there, and they were when it was toad breeding season, it was just <laughs> stupid, just you know, just nonstop loud toad breeding, <laughs> uh, breeding yeah. calls and. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun building those. I had a lot of fun. I haven't done it many yeah. years, many, many years. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was I, cool. Did you see the episode of Camp Cannon where um, Greg and I think Ed Ed was there? Ed Baluga. Ed Waterloo. Yes. He was there. Ed Waterloo. Okay. I think, right? That's his name. I think he was Ed. Was, I want to say Ed. Um, that was wanna, one of Greg's main guys. And he yeah. came. He's Ed the Pond came, Professor. Yeah. So, okay. So Ed, I, I think his name was Ed Waterloo or something like that. Okay. He, he was, I'm pretty sure he was the one that came to my dad's house and taught us how to yeah. build ponds. Well, and, and, and they, they were there and they said, well, let's take Slinky out and have him, you know, swim in, in, in this pond, you know, Slinky, his monitor. Yeah. So they, they did. And then they're watching Slinky and he goes, oh, he's on the hunt. And then he catches. <laughs> oh, he, he catches ca- a snake, right? Yeah, he catches that yes, wild black that. snake and, uh, you know, and, and just thrashes it and then, you know, gulps it. And the guys are kind of looking at each other like, okay, well. This Which is, is funny. I don't. I don't see much of YouTube. I mean, it's. I just don't consume much YouTube, honestly. Um, it's it's my exercise time. <laughs> I yeah, like it's weird. Like so, like you would think. To me, YouTube is something like I have to watch. Yeah. Right. Like I, I'll like if I'm cleaning my my snake room or something. It's it's podcasts usually. Podcasts like I listen. Like even if it's a podcast that's on YouTube, I might put click the YouTube, but I, the phone's. It's over there, and I'm listening right, to it. Right. Yeah. I just don't watch YouTube. I just don't have the time to watch. That's my you know. clean the kitchen time is the, are the podcasts. <laughs> yeah, my Sunday drive to work because I take the train the rest of the week, so I watch shows. But on Sunday, when I drive to work, uh, it's like an hour or something. Uh, mm-hmm. It's podcast usually. All these yeah. days, it's been Joe Rogan lately or other weird things. Just. <laughs> Yeah, it dust, depends. Dusting and dishes are my podcast time. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, but well, fun. I have one question on the, the big snake thing. So education wise, like uh, we had Bill on Bill Bradley and he mentioned the like the iconic big white snake that every educator needs or 
has. Um, where where do you rank that? I mean, I know it's not a pet, and it's not your ninety nine percent of people we're talking about here. But would you would you go retic or berm, or would you just stay in the boas or that carpet python ten foot territory? I mean, in terms of what exactly? If you were going to get a snake for education purposes, but you wanted that bigger snake factor. I mean, for me, I live in New York, so it wouldn't be well, one of the, yeah, it wouldn't enough. be one of the big ones. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I I spent a lot. I I, I my one of my good friends is Dan Liebel, and he did a lot of education. Um, I have, I, you know, I have God, I have a lot of friends who do education, and uh, you know, I think if you can and you can legally do it, I mean, it's one of the big snakes. Obviously, is is probably good. It's that wow factor. Right. Um, as long as you present it and and uh, try to uh, mold the the minds that you're educating a certain way, you know it's it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as long as the snakes kept fine. Like I said, a lot of people keep retics and berms kind of shitty, but there's not. But that's a very broad thing. Not everybody. A lot of people keep them great, you know. And and um, if as long as you're. I, I'm more cared about how the snake's kept and how it's uh, right. it's used in education. I assume it's used in education. I'm just going to make the assumption that it's used in education in a positive motion. You know, as long as you're keeping that snake good and 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 uh, optimally, the rest you know falls into place. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. If it was me, it wouldn't be a retick or a berm. I don't, <laughs> I don't have the space. It would, you know, I don't. God, I I actually was having this conversation with a, a friend of mine the other day who's an educator and I was like, you know, I was like, I'm terrible. I did it once. I tried to do a, an education thing. I, I did a fundraiser for a friend of mine. And, um, as part of the fundraiser, there was myself and two other, uh, myself and then two educators from my state who are fantastic. Um, we're going to do presentations. I, I'm very terrible at it. I'm much better at, in this kind of uh, format, a, a podcast, I can have a little alcohol and, and loosen up. And, and <laughs> yeah. I, what I told my friend was, I'm much better in a, in a, in a um, more of an unofficial and a very. Um, it's almost like we're just talking like we would normally talk. If we're just sitting around a fire right. and we're talking reptiles. Mm-hmm. I'm much better in that format than a uh, planned, laid out uh, thing. Uh, you know, like edu- like a, like an education, like when you're yeah. going to go in front of a classroom or in front of mm-hmm. a group. I did that once and I, I suck at it. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's just not my forte. Like, it's just too hard for me to do a structured thing. I need it to be the freer, a much freer, looser format and just come off the tongue than a, yeah, an education I- thing. When when Matthew talked me into doing this, it's like, well, are we going to have outlines? Are we going to do this? Because I used to be the educator. You know, I was um, a wildlife um, interpreter for Custer State Park. And so I, I presented um, nightly programs on how the wildlife was managed in Custer State Park. And and so I, I, I you know, I, and I had to have my outlines approved by my supervisor and, you know, what my talks would be when I show this movie and that. And so when I started with Matthew here, it's like, we're just doing what? Off the cuff, huh? <laughs> you know, I'm like, panic, panic. Well, you the know? first one wasn't that way. The first two really weren't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, they all have been. Uh, yeah. Coming up uh, with a weekly outlines. I yeah. mean, a weekly show is, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. no one, Dude, I, I mean, I, everyone I says do... it's a lot, but it's a lot. 
Anytime you're trying to do content here. on a regular schedule of any sort of measure, it's it's a lot. I wrote blogs. I try to do bleak. I, I did that for a couple of years, and I try to do weekly or so. And just even writing blogs, it yeah. I just it's it's a lot of work. It's a well, lot of work. And you've already you got know. a lot of work with the animals, you know. And exactly. <laughs> yeah. Know? And and yeah. I'm friends. I've been on. I'm not sure how many podcasts I've been on at this point. I've been friends with. Uh, I know you guys had Eric on. Yeah. I've been friends with the Morelli Python guys for fucking years, <laughs> and um, just yeah, just the massive scale of work it takes to do that is just it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It really takes a lot of work. It's you know? a lot. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's just some weeks it falls apart like this one, um, <laughs> where I don't get the ad posted until an hour before. But yeah, we, that's probably a little better. Actually, you've got an infant. You've got an excuse. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole bunch going on here. No, the reason I asked that that question is because we've considered as a family going down the more educational route, and then it's like, well, we would probably need a bigger snake just to. Like, we're allowed to have it. We might as well, if we're going to compete with reptile gardens in the education side of things, we got to have one big monster. But then it's like, well, you can't just have one because what if that one, when it grows up, isn't okay? Like, you know, education-wise, what if I can't take this snake at, at 15 feet long around a bunch of kids? I don't know until it's 15 feet long, you know? Like, you can tell a little bit, but... You're mm-hmm. still if you're ordering a retick so, online, you don't you don't. What get a I pick. would say about that is, um, the the giant snake gets it gets a bit more fanfare and it's 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 definitely a bit more shock value. But if you're educating, um, I don't think you necessarily need to go that size. If it's something a little smaller, like you say, like a big boa or something. Yeah, or. or- the, ten foot, any ten foot snake, five a, dwarf, foot. a super dwarf retic, <laughs> would be foot. in that category. You know, you know five this foot. Hobby, <laughs> this hobby has an absolutely awful track record of realizing what John Q. Public actually thinks when they see these things. Mm-hmm. Um, we we fucking suck at it. I'll be honest with you. That's <laughs> and that's why we're losing the battle of Florida because we don't understand what John Q. Public un- understands compared to you know, yeah. you know, we don't think that way. See, I, I could tell you that because I did, um, you know, talks with 500 people there gathered around, you know, on, on this balcony at Mount Rushmore or, you know, at, at the barn where I would show the movie and then have question and answers. You get to know how they think, you yeah. know, you know, if I brought a garter snake to one of my presentations, because I, I as I'm bringing in the, you know, this was a movie reel to reel projector back when I did this. And then like, oh, there's a snake right there. I'll, I'll, I'll take it with it and, and surprise the people, you know, and and some of them just like, ah, you know, and we're talking like a 24 inch snake, you know, and then yeah. the kid kids like, can we come up and touch it? You know, and, you know, and so it's just really different reactions. And um, from, you know, and, and we had world visitors, you know, here in the Black Hills, you know, local visitors, national visitors, international visitors. And so there is no way, one way of thinking for the public, you know, and, yeah. and some love it, some hate it. And well, as a hobby, we have a very poor understanding of how uh, a lot of the public sees us in a lot of ways. And we just don't do anything to help ourselves with it. <laughs> um, you know, and that's that's just honest. I I was on uh I was on really Python Radio yeah. in January with Mike Curtin and that we talked. Episode. 
we talked about it and it's, you know, and now with things are going the way they're in Florida mm-hmm. and I was just talking to my friend about Florida the other day and I said, you know, the problem with Florida is what people don't understand is the Florida pipe, uh, the Florida problem is a political one. It's, it's not a political one in other States. Um, and I know that's hard to say when it's hard to understand when I say that because in other, it, it's always a law that we're fighting. Right. But when you fight it in, in North Carolina, it's not really a political issue. It's just some law, some uh, politicians who are trying to make this law, blah blah blah. It doesn't become a, it, it doesn't become this massive political issue. But you don't people don't understand what Florida is. Florida mm-hmm. is a it's a conservation um, it's a conservation issue um, with the pythons and stuff. So it's a it's a political issue, it's a huge mm-hmm. political issue. And uh, I believe me, I could go on a long rabbit hole on that because um, <laughs> yeah. I. I I've spent a lot of time in Florida in the last few years. We'll be down there uh, again shortly, actually, in Florida. A um, couple days uh, in the water with sharks and uh, a Ooh. couple nights in the Everglades. Be fun. Um, yeah, we're weird. <laughs> I'd love, I'd love to go. I've never hey. been been swimming uh, with dolphins or sharks. Oh, and off Cocoa Beach. Fucking, no, yeah. dolphins are fucking <laughs> weird, dude. Like I oh, just had my first experience in the water with dolphins in January, off two hundred miles off the coast of Mexico, and. Uh, at this place uh, called Socorro, and uh, <laughs> they're fucking weird, man. Like they're cool. Like the, it's different because different dolphins are actually different depending yes. on where you're, where yeah. you're at. But uh-huh. um, you know, just to tell the story quickly, I had uh, we we me and my wife are scuba divers, and we jumped in the water, and uh, the dolphins of Socorro are famous because they just come right up to you, blah blah. So we jump in. They're like, "Hey, dolphins are on site." We jump in. I see the dolphins above us wow. and they're kind of going away from us. I'm like, whatever. And about 10 minutes later, I hear dolphins. Like you hear this, you hear them. Like I mm-hmm. fucking hear them. I'm like looking up, look at this. Where are they? Where are they? And I look down <laughs> and there's two dolphins about 40, 50 feet below me. One's normal. One's upside down. And they're both <laughs> looking up at me. <laughs> But so before I look down, I hear the dolphins. I hear, yeah. you know, yeah. I look down, they see that I see them and they're like, oh, they saw me and they fucking scurried off. Like dolphins are <laughs> these same dolphins. I saw a video. They play dead mm-hmm. with scuba oh, divers. Cool. It's dude. It's the weirdest that'd shit you ever cool. saw. In your well, life. But you know I, what? I, I was saved by five dol- bottlenose dolphins from a shark. They got between me and the shark off Cocoa Beach. And I was being and stupid me. You know, I, I was a lifeguard. I swam hard, fast to the atoll, and the, the back, a back um, tide started, and the the dolphins got between me and the shark, and you know I made it to the atoll, and it's like stupid me being out there swimming by myself. Plus, but I knew how to call the dolphins because we were um, uh, water skiing with them, and they they had and they loved to play in your wake and as your water yeah. skiing, and so you know I I, I learned how they would. Um, one of them lost lost his baby, and it, it called to the baby. I said, "Okay, I'm going to use that call, and I won't do it here because it'll blow your ears out." And and so I used that call, and sure enough, I heard the beep beep beeps and and, and you know coming, and and the screech is more like. And yeah. there the, there they popped up right between me and. The I mean, shark. it's not even the call sometimes because I've watched uh, dive masters where they'll do like you watch them and they're like you doing little sounds with little metal stuff. If they just hear weird things, they'll come. Okay. Um, de- I mean, depends on the, the situation and the dolphins and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we'll be in a. 
Was that a cat? Because <laughs> I just that, heard my cat, one of my cats yeah. outside. That is, that is monkey. And, <laughs> okay, and, fair and enough. She, she, I got to pick her up or she will just, oh, oh, now she moves away. That's like my house. Oscar's yelling outside right now. I hear yeah, well, this, this one looks like Oscar. Um, she showed up in our garage and it's like, okay, yeah, we won't bring her to the pound. <laughs> but it's fair enough. Yeah, she's just this tiny little seven-pound cat, and and uh, yeah, we've had her now for thirteen years, and she just won't die. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh God, that's a dog. So <laughs> no, we tease because she this what you heard was her mild meow. You should oh, hear, I'm sure in, in the morning. Oh, in the morning, she just and it's like we have to put her in the bathroom or she'll turn us into bad people <laughs> i get up you know? i get up uh an hour before my wife every morning and i have to feed the cats because if i don't feed them oscar will start screaming his fucking head off and wake <laughs> her up and yeah i know i'm there but uh so yeah in a couple weeks we'll be uh uh we're doing a couple we'll probably do a couple scuba dives and we're doing a big shark drift which is uh wow. targeting uh great hammerheads and uh, tiger sharks Wow. Yeah, we're not scared of being in the water with sharks. But then we'll spend a couple of nights in the Everglades. But um, yeah, I've spent we wow. spent a lot of time in Florida in the last few years, so I've I've really been able to pay attention. And um, the long and short of it is, Florida is accusing the the uh, the pet trade for destroying their native uh, species. But I mean, anyone with half a brain that drives around southern southeast Florida, um, <laughs> dude, they're destroying the environment. I mean, they're right. just—it's just development. <clears throat> the yes. ranch is being developed, and and not mm -hmm. only that, um, if you go into the Everglades uh, in the evening, um, uh, what the fuck was that? I don't know. <laughs> Probably my cat. But yeah, like the amount of um, the amount of road hit. Uh, owls that we find oh, in the Everglades. Wow. Now the Everglades is basically one main road in and out. Um, there's offshoots, but main one main park road that's like uh, thirty something miles, forty something miles. Um, you know, I've I've found multiple dead owls. Um, mm. Even on nights when traffic, there's nights when traffic's and when I say traffic, it's it's a relative term. It's it's not traffic like in on a highway. It's just a lot of boat traffic. There's there's a, a marina at the end of the Everglades. So some nights, on the, like on the weekend, you'll see a lot of boats even late into the evening coming in and out, campers coming in and out. But it's relative. It's not like, you know, it's mm -hmm. not like stop and go traffic. It's just a lot of cars on a very long, quiet road. Um, and there's other nights where it's quiet. I've had nights in the Everglades where it's there's not very many cars, and yet I still find a road hit out. You know, wow. um, just one road in the middle of the Everglades has that effect on the environment. Yeah, you go north of the Everglades, north of Homestead, and, and it's just agriculture and, and uh, you know development everywhere. Well, yeah, and then uh, and all the the um, fertilizer runoff that's killing the manatees. You know that everything uh, yeah. red tide. It's a whole political and environmental disaster in Florida, yeah. and that's what people don't realize. But yeah. You know, the thing is, we're fighting a battle for these these animals where, like, the problem is everyone, a lot of the hobby wanted to go, hey, what about the cats? Well, listen, the way to win this battle is not to go, hey, 
point the finger. It's like, look, we understand the berms are a problem because they are. They're, right. I've never found one. I've tried. We've 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 tried. We try every time we're down there. Haven't seen a berm yet. That's that's there's something to be said about that. Well, there is and there isn't a little bit because um, I've been in the areas where some python hunters go, but I have a lot of. I also have friends that are you know licensed uh, you know contractors to catch the berms. Main Park Road, you're not going to see as many berms. If you go to the offshoots, so there's certain spots like that these guys go. They'll you could find them every night. I'm sure. Mm. I have friends that find a lot. Like they're there. We just mm-hmm. we just go the main park road to Herp. Um, yeah. And then uh, up in the uh, Big Cypress, we went once to Big Cypress. I, w- I was told how to find berms there, but the night we the only night we ever went up that way was um, it was cold and chilly, and we were exhausted, so like we didn't spend a lot of time. But uh, they're there. I mean, it's it's an issue. Yeah. It really is, and it's the the way to handle this is not to point fingers and not to say this isn't an issue. Like no human footprint is an issue. Like everything we do causes a footprint. We have to admit that Mm -hmm. and be part of the solution, not try to fight against the fact that there is a problem, but on Florida's end of it, their politicians end of it. Like they're using the berms as a scapegoat. Now, Mm -hmm. if you spend time paying attention to John Q public's responses and a lot of the articles (laughs) and all these things, like you'll see, man. John Q. Q. Public is is has eaten the has eaten the or drank the Kool Aid, um, mm-hmm. and they think berms are destroying the Everglades. Like ber- berms are a part of the problem, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the mass uh, habitat destruction is a bigger <laughs> yeah. problem. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I think on that note, <coughs> we should do our wrap up questions because I don't think we can make that any better than it was. Um, <laughs> No, that's fine. It's so, late. I got it, bed soon, it so. is. Um, it so, if you could, you have to keep it and you have to breed it. Doesn't Ooh. matter. Size, space, extinct, not extinct. <laughs> it doesn't matter. What species are you keeping and breeding? Ooh. Only one. <laughs> um, Pin- damn, the that's pinnacle. A f- fucking tough question yeah it is i did that on purpose um, is that like something i haven't done or can it just be anything like, anything at all anything. we've had woolly mammoths we've had cuttlefish <laughs> we've had <laughs> i didn't know you were doing that um, anything, uh, anything anything if it's extinct we've had dinosaurs shoot her <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that question. I won't um, know how to answer it either, honestly. So you know, I'm just here. Here, if we're going, if we're going to go that absurd, people are using dinosaurs. I'm going to use uh, my favorite animal for the moment, and the <laughs> animal I really want to swim with, which would be uh, orcas. Oh, but, but wow! Ooh, I'm just, that'd I'm be just, cool. G- give me two seconds on this. It's not going to be a long rundown. No, you're good. They are. They should not be in fucking captivity the way we things are no, now. No. That's all I'm going to say. Right. Trust I'm with, me. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Uh, you it's can unfortunate. build yourself a little ocean in New York, and then. But yeah, uh, if I could build an we'll ocean, talk. yeah, fucking orcas because they're just the pinnacle. Heck yeah. yeah! All yeah, right. Cool. If you had any advice for a new keeper, what would your Ooh. one major piece Ooh. of advice be? Ooh. <laughs> um, is this new keeper going to be a breeder or just a pet? Doesn't owner? matter. I take it with whatever relevance you want. Um, if they want to breed, patience. Uh, read my blogs, <laughs> my old <laughs> blogs. Um, but yeah, in general, um, 
shit. Stay off of social media and just enjoy your animal. Oh, Don't yeah. worry about what anybody thinks or what anybody says. Enjoy the animal and do your best to give the animal uh, the best possible living space that you can. Yeah. Uh, mentally, physically, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and the final one is uh, if you could have a creature power, i.e. <laughs> like a spider that sticks to the wall or a bird that flies or any power that a creature has, <laughs> what hey. would what would your creature power be? <laughs> Jesus. Um... What would my creature power be? <laughs> mine was new after last week's uh, axolotl. <laughs> you know what mine would be? <laughs> this goes back to scuba diving. I'm freaking terrible with my air scuba diving, so I'd be a goddamn fish. I could stay underwater uh, much oh. longer. And, and yeah, that's what it would yeah. be. You would have yeah. gills. <laughs> yeah. I had yeah. a bad time in Mexico with my air, and I was like oh. 30 minutes, no matter what I did, it was like 30 minutes I was going up. And my wife, eventually, it, it depended on the dive master how they handled that. But, you know, yeah, my wow. wife is my wife's much better with her air, so she's down for 45, 50 minutes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's what scares me about scuba diving. I always watch those. I like listening to those spooky stories of like the people cave diving and getting trapped oh, in the no underwater way. cave. <laughs> no you way. know, yeah. so like that's like if you run out of air when you're scuba diving, that's just it. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no, Dude, there's no scary, maybe. There's feeling because on our on our first couple of dives when we did our uh, our first uh, certification, open water certification. We were diving in uh, Curacao, uh, an island off of Venezuela, and um, I had an issue on the first couple dives with my BCD, which is the vest you wear that fills with air, empties with air, and it was basically, essentially, it was leaking, so I had all kinds of buoyancy problems, and uh, we were just finishing up the dive. We were coming back to the beach, luckily, and I was, like, running out of air. I ran out of air, and, like, so there's that moment where you're, like, you you can't get the breath. Um, the only good thing about scuba diving is usually as long as you go through one of the organizations, <laughs> you get the training on what to do in these situations. And, um, it, you know, it's really no issue. Like I had my wife, when we first started, she knocked my air right out of my mouth. Oh. <laughs> and luckily, like our, it was funny because it happened right in front of our instructor. I knew what to do. I handled it. Um, yeah, as long as you, that's the first, when you first get into scuba diving, you do this this course and you do these pool dives where you do all these skills and you basically, you learn all these things that like you think aren't important, but like in those moments they are. But um, otherwise it's, it's actually very safe because you pay a lot of attention to where your air is at. And that's why I, I knew like I would, <laughs> you tell your dive master, you're like, hey, you give him a hand signal like, hey, I'm, I'm at that limit. And he'd be like, all right, go up by yourself, you know, all that. And it's it's not as bad as it sounds, but it's there is some moments where it can be a little sketchy. But I yeah, I'm those cave dives and all that shit. Uh our one of our deep dives to do our advanced open water off of Florida, off of Key Largo was uh, at a wreck. Mm. And our instructor told us, he's like, Look, he's like they have um there's certain things that you can go into a wreck as long as you have a way to go up and out. <laughs> um, if you're not like certified to do like an, a, like a full on insert and, uh, he's like, so when we go down, we'll go down, yada, yada. He's like, if you guys feel comfortable, we'll go in 
and then you go up and out um, if you feel comfortable. And I, I felt bad because like I didn't feel comfortable at that point. I'm like, ah. no, uh, my wife, she wanted to go into it because it was it was just in and up. I didn't yes. feel comfortable. I'm like, ah. claustrophobic. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Won't do uh, it. I could. I can't. Okay. Eat. Yeah. I yeah. I, I I'm too much of a Terran, you know. Get get Earth on my under my feet. That's it. No. <laughs> don't want to well, fly. We, you know, don't want to dive. Like I said, we we fell in love. We did a lot of snorkeling and stuff, and this became this natural progression. Now we're real big into scuba diving. Uh, we she just put a down payment on a trip to uh, Egypt. Uh, oh, wow. End of 2024. It's it's a shark. It's literally a shark trip. Oh uh, wow. Yeah, it's a shark focused diving Super trip. Cool. Well, it was nice yeah. knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, I'm not too scared. Of well, it's not too bad. Scott, thanks for coming on. Yes. No, thank you. For we greatly on. appreciate it. I'm running out of light, apparently. Yeah, yeah. learned yeah. a lot from you. Really, thank you for answering all my uh, novice questions. <laughs> hey, no, we're all novices in some way or another. I'm, it's a pleasure just to you know yeah. talk to you guys. So awesome. Okay. And okay. where can people find you? It's mostly social media. On Facebook, it's just me, Scott Borden. Uh, Instagram, as you said in the beginning, was nyherp underscore revolution. Uh, I used to have it. I used to have uh, TikTok, but I've actually moved that TikTok over to uh, the travel domain because um, I'm trying to start a travel blog. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm I, trying to. Like, I realize that travel blogging is something where if you put work into it, you can make money on. Whereas reptile blogging, it was basically you know it's a labor of love. <laughs> yeah. I said if I write, I'm gonna try to do travel. Um, that's a it's becoming a longer process than I expected. I need to buy a new laptop, and I've just been lazy about that. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, my TikTok has moved to all travel content. Um, cool. So yeah, it's just you basically search my name. And then my old blogs are all on medium.com and you just search my name on there and you'll find all my old blogs. Awesome. Peggy, what about uh, you? Where can we find you? Oh. Uh, my, my turtle page is Black Hills Turtle Forum on Facebook. And my, my, my life of my pets and my art on Instagram is Detmer's Studios all run together. And uh, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Awesome. As for me and the podcast, you can find us at Herp Talk Radio on Instagram. We have a group on Facebook. Um, we're live there right now. Uh, it's Herp Talk Radio. Oh, email herptalkradio at gmail.com. Yeah, that's about it for over here. You guys uh, have a good day, night, evening, whenever you're listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. Good night. Thanks again, Scott. Anytime. Thank you, guys. <laughs>